0: so uh welcome to the praxis behind the obscure podcast and today i have a special guest uh rc joining us and so instead of me you know giving a whole introduction explaining you to yourself (laughs) uh why don't you introduce yourself a little bit about your background how you got into spiritual practice and i'm very curious to hear your early education experiences as i uh I did listen back to some of your podcast episodes, which we can talk about, but uh, you do talk about Rudolf Steiner and the Waldorf system Mm -hmm. of education. So yeah, that'd be be cool to hear about that as well. So yeah.
1: Yeah. Well, let me say, I am a little disappointed to not uh, get your uh, introduction and hear what someone who doesn't really know me thinks of me. It's always fun (laughs) to know what someone thinks of you after having heard nine episodes of my podcast, as you say, it's, 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 there's part, there's part of you, us that that always wonders how we're, how we're experienced. Um, Mm -hmm. What would you say uh, had you done an intro? Get it?
0: Yeah, sure. I would say (laughs) that. Yeah. I would say actually you, um, what's pretty cool about your podcast, or at least my perception of you is that you're like down to earth and uh, sort of uncut, you know, you say what you think and feel, which uh, makes you relatable. But at the same time, you also have, quite and from what I've seen you have quite a academic background like um like just scrolling through your episodes you're talking about uh like you're going through like uh Steiner material and um you know other what it Yates and stuff like that right so it's it's a very nice balance because you know in any field especially this field too you'll get like extremely heady academic people where you listen to them and it's interesting of course right but it's sort of dry bland boring (laughs) <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. You might you might put on an episode uh, to, to fall asleep to before you go to bed, right? Yeah. Um, although, although the material is interesting, it's not like the material is not extremely fascinating, like, oh, they just rediscovered this new ancient manuscript. So it is interesting, but it's like, it's not like, you, you don't feel like you'd be hanging out, you know, at a cafe or a bar with this person. Does that make sense? Absolutely.
1: And uh, I think, mm-hmm. I think it, it, I, I'm delighted by the fact that you said academic and then talked about Steiner and Yates because that mm. definitely would tickle them and boggle a few uh, academic scholars <laughs> <laughs> when you're not you're not mentioning, you know, doctors Alison Couder or Walter mm. Honograph or or mm. uh, Angela Voss or Claire Fanger or Jocelyn Godwin or uh, the the Fowler. The list goes on. How about Antoine Secret? Or Antoine oh, yeah. Favre. I don't know if the first one was an Antoine, but they're French, so let's call them all Antoine, right?
0: are you fluent? in French too? Because uh, I know no, mon français
1: is uh, pas incroyable, mon frère. Uh, <laughs> quel dommage But uh, I, 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 you know, I'm Canadian, so I know quite a bit mm-hmm. of, of French, and had to make, had to whip it out of the broom closet last year in in Paris and Toulouse, and and mm-hmm. uh, speak because a lot of French people still don't speak English. For some delightful reason, and so mm. you know, it's just faster if you can say "je veux une" rather than "hi there." Can I get a, blah blah blah? And then you know, uh, you make you make the effort. People like it if they make you effort. Of course, the French sure. uh, are famous for not liking it sometimes. Like you know, the phrase "me de me," but not my language, from that mm. wonderful film with Johnny Lee Miller and Robert Carlyle, Plunkett and McLean. Mm -hmm. that's a Mm -hmm. hidden gem if people haven't seen it with Tyler's in it too so yeah no I definitely am uh, academically bent and uh, uncut and definitely Mm -hmm. uncut but not necessarily always bent and uh, (laughs) I like to be a real person because magic is for real people to actually transform their lives and and most powerfully I think it's useful to deal with the the scrapes and bruises or traumas that, that rock us in this life, especially if we're living bold lives and not just ones of quiet
0: desperation. Mm, Okay. Well said, well stated. Um, Another thing I would say, okay, to go back to the introduction of yourself by me is uh, I, I did hear in some episodes, you mentioned that you speak, well, obviously you just mentioned you speak a little bit of French um, English, of course. And then you said Hebrew and Aramaic, I believe. As well, well, I wouldn't is speak those, of course, but oh, okay. my, sure. my reading sure. is, is
1: highly functional. And um, most mm-hmm. importantly, when it comes to those ancient languages, you want to be mm-hmm. um, knowledgeable in the translation issues, right? It's less mm-hmm. important that you know every word and more important that you know when you come across certain grammatical constructions that you are aware of the sources and ways in which that phrase could be interpreted. You like Mm -hmm. with Hebrew, especially in Aramaic, when it comes to translation issues, you want to know that you should be going to the the midrash Rabbah, right. And the commentaries Mm -hmm. by the rabbis throughout the early middle ages to understand, not just what they're saying, that's actually often less important than understanding how they use a certain word. Uh, In homiletic study in, in seminary, they trained us quite rigorously when we were doing sermons um to look at the bible verse that we would comment on and then Mm -hmm. look at the words do what they call word study and you look at the word and then you look at every other place and instance that you word is used and if you're really hardcore you might go to some jewish commentaries to see how that word was used then and only then Mm -hmm. can you really have a responsible interpretation that looks at how that verse was used in its time and place and mm-hmm. thus understand hermeneutically how to use it in the current time and place, and if you don't oh, yeah. do that, you end up with all kinds of nutty shit like, you know, stone gay people or or send them <laughs> to the desert for their menses or I don't know what other shenanigans that evangelical fundamentalists like to uh, throw around.
0: Right, right. Uh, I speak multiple languages as well, and uh, well, you're yeah, in so Korea. Not...
1: I'm talking to Korea. I'm so yeah. so excited.
0: Yeah, exactly. And that's one thing you realize. I mean, let alone you're talking about holy scriptures and, you know, I I don't even know much about Hebrew, but I know that uh, like in Genesis, like we created the world, wasn't it like Elohim is like, it's a plural form of uh, divinity basically, right? I'd love to explain that, but it's literally a three hour lecture. Yeah, exactly. But that alone, though, like those little things and holy scriptures, in in, uh, my case, I'm not even talking about holy scriptures. I speak fluent Korean, right? But I'll go to a movie. And the fact that just you have to take into account cultural differences and linguistic differences. So I'll go watch an American movie, let's say, um, whatever, Iron Man or The Avengers or something. Right. So I go and the, the yeah, I literally says, just talked about The Avengers on the last podcast. Oh, <laughs> is that right?
1: Yeah. With, yeah, yeah. With, I, I said, what if Nostradamus are all these uh, seers? When they uh-huh. scryed into the future, they were seeing like a Marvel movie. Because in theory, why couldn't you see a movie if you're scrying in the future? But they didn't have movies. So they're like, oh, my God, the future. Like, Franz, I was saying, what if Franz Barden scryed the future? And he saw a mm-hmm. Marvel movie, but he looked like humans had superpowers. So when he wrote Initiation into Hermetics, he's like, but if you concentrate on the fiery light of Esh <laughs> and the ball in your hand, one day you could throw fireballs because he scryed,
0: you know, Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny. Yeah. You saw people in movie theaters watching uh, uh, whatever, The Avengers or something. But um, yeah, it's just interesting because I can read Korean, right? And they have subtitles in the that's movie awesome. theater. That's awesome. And so like when I'm looking at the Korean, that's not actually what they're saying in English. Or even vice versa. If I watch a Korean movie or if I watch a Netflix, um, for example, the movie Parasite, right? That one. Oh, uh, yeah. It was the, fir- it was the first... Foreign film, you know, I've been a huge fan of Korean movies for a while. And that's one of the reasons I got interested in this place. But well, um, it, it was like the first foreign film in a 100 years to win the Academy Awards Best Picture in the United States. It's not even in English, you know, it's uh, a completely it. foreign language. Yeah, great movie. But I, what's I, interesting, I couldn't yeah, stand you, it. Mm-hmm. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay.
1: Please tell like me a, why it was good. Please explain it to me. I don't get it.
0: And okay, I'm a so, film buff. Okay, okay. So the reason, I, I don't think it was like the best Korean movie, it was just very well publicized, I suppose, or it got popular. But uh, the uh, my, my first point was basically that when you look at the English words, you know, the translation, the subtitles, it's not actually what they're saying, right? And even, so if you look at even just a movie or something like that, <laughs> apply that, if you if you apply that to like a holy scripture, then you clearly see, you know, how much cultural differences and translations of words and certain words can't really be translated into another language you're getting a very rough yeah uh, approximation but it has so much nuance that it doesn't actually mean the same thing right so uh yeah i think that's interesting the fact that you're a polyglot is quite uh pretty cool to me because
1: polyglots are us polygod. baby i should that should be my new t-shirt okay. Um, yeah, yeah, no, the, actually the only films I watch in their original languages are, are German films and, mm-hmm. and this Irish film called a uh, TV show called Ross Naroon, shout out mm-hmm. Mahara Guelga Gehintach. Ross Naroon <laughs> is like an Irish soap opera in Irish language. And it's hysterical. You can watch yeah. it on YouTube. It's so funny. Definitely. go check it out. But yeah, no, mm-hmm. my German is German's my best language. Uh, and then after that, Irish, Oh, Irish nice. Gwelga.
0: Gwelga. Irish, Oh that's awesome you have command over so many languages but um, well, you know
1: technically mm-hmm. seven but at varying levels right and and i've been working on italian for forever but it's uh it's uh, mm-hmm. i just don't have as much time as when i was in you know younger and in grad school and forced to do that stuff and my greek is awful and my latin is not so bad but again you know mm-hmm. if you, you're a polyglot so you always compare mm-hmm. yourselves yourself to others and and you can always do better and learn more. I just love languages. I, I suck at them in school. The reason I'm not better at French is actually because, like you said, I went to Waldorf school. So in Waldorf school, from grade one to grade 12, we had German and French
0: almost every day. Oh, interesting. Okay, that'd be interesting to hear about. So, yeah. um, but so in Waldorf grade... in Waldorf education, is like foreign languages are pretty emphasized or is it required or what's the deal with that? Yeah, you have to do German and French. Now, not
1: all schools have. Wow. Have French or have them both if they can't find the teachers. There's, well, there's schools mm. that only have German. Uh, well, and it depends what country you're in as well. I mean, the French mm-hmm. was there because it's Canada and it's mm-hmm. mandatory up until grade 10. Okay. Okay. The German, German is always German, required, and German any, is any always attempted to be required because of Rudolf Steiner being Austrian. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, you want to have. It's, yeah, well, I guess that's just a little thing. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, so uh, so we do them both. And what's really cool often is we had like the same teacher for both of them at, for, for one period in, in grade school. We had the same teacher for German and French because you know, it, while their schools attract a lot of uh, a lot of uh, polymaths, they just it just naturally does. So polymaths, I think, tend towards uh, learning as much as they can, and inevitably mm-hmm. they find spirituality. And if you find spirituality, mm-hmm. it's hard to avoid Rudolf Steiner. And uh, Mm -hmm. next thing you know, they're, they're teaching Walder school on the side. A lot of them have to do it on the side though, because like starting and finishing salary at my Walder school was 38,000. And by the time I graduated, it had dropped to 36. So Mm -hmm. like Dr. Idle Tim, who's a world famous academic and his first uh, from Hamburg university, he was Mm -hmm. a teacher for all the high school. His first, uh, his dissertation was called Yates. Nietzsche, so he wrote the book on Yeats mm. and Nietzsche, and then he went wow. on to write other amazing texts like on Goethe, Thomas Lessing, Thomas Mann, called Ketze und Dichter, Heretics and Poets. He wrote the book called Die Lehrische und die Dichtung, which is the lyrical in poetry. So like imagine Jeez. saying i wrote the book called the lyrical in poetry it's like whoa <laughs> that's like saying you wrote you know being in nothingness or or, right. or or truth and method <laughs> by gadamer like that's a book to, to. i finally did write a book like that myself called the ethics of understanding or the ethics of understanding god god is crossed out mm-hmm. though in my magnum opus so um mm yeah Uh, actually you're getting a copy of that because i'm not just you you won jason newcomb's prize i'm not just sending that's right i i I let multiple people win it and i'm also not sending them just one book so nice awesome uh, some late night reading sessions we'll have to do a follow-up podcast to this on my podcast once you've Mm -hmm. read my uh books oh i'm definitely down for that that will be cool that'd be great yeah Um, i can't imagine uh what's what i can't imagine what life is like in korea right now before we move on to me telling you about the beauty and horrors of Waldorf, Rudolf Steiner education. Do you want to <laughs> Do you want to give me a little glimpse of your, your life in Korea?
0: Yeah, sure. Um, so in Korea, I think that one good thing about Korea now, specifically during this COVID thing, is they relatively had it under control. It's still relatively under control. So Korea never actually did a lockdown ever. Like, we still haven't done a lockdown here um, oh, wow. because... Yeah, there, there's a few reasons for it. One reason is that they con- they do a lot of contact tracing here. So like pretty much everywhere you go, you have to like sign in. And so anytime that they find that there's one case, they basically, you know, uh, message all the people that were at that venue and they all have to uh, <laughs> quarantine, which is a lot more effective, honestly, right? Say, say, sure. you went to a, say you went to a restaurant, like why shut down every single business and every single thing and bankrupt everybody when it's a lot more effective just to isolate people who are in certain places where their cases right and so um korea like life has been pretty much i I wouldn't say normal because there's there's basically like a um uh what do they call that like level one level two level three kind of thing they have like a system going on so right Mm. now um when we're at a certain level of cases so uh, for example, one thing that I don't like, I can't go to the gym right now. It's kind of silly, too. Like, you can't go to the gym because we're on level 2.5, they call it. Um, but y- you can go to bars, which is kind of silly, too, because you're yeah. like... They, yeah, shut,
1: you're down, like, they yeah. shut down my martial arts class where I do Bujinkan, Jitsu when we were uh-huh. only doing it with bows and, and boken, So yeah. distant. All, and we were throwing plastic shuriken at each other. That was in dive rolls. And it was mm-hmm. outside under a freaking bridge. And they shut that mm-hmm. down, saying it's illegal. And it's illegal for me to go outside and talk to a friend six feet away or two meters away, but it's not right. illegal for me to go to a bar and have drinks with five other people.
0: Yeah, it's ridiculous. I what? mean, if anything, it's almost if like anything, they're not trying to stop this disease at all. Yeah, 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 exactly, exactly. It's almost if like anything, there's something
1: is, else going on. See, I'm safe. Right, can, exactly. Now I got the Gates microchip implanted into my hand. I mean, I don't know if it's actually the legit Gates microchip because it was just this guy in the alley who gave me this thing to inject. So mm-hmm. I'm not sure, but like, you know,
0: <laughs> right, right, right. right. It's just silly, you know, it's really silly. But I mean, one good thing is just reading, you know, I have friends that are in the UK or in California and these other places. And, you know, for how much I'm, I'm complaining, it sound, it's pretty pathetic. I'm complaining about not going to the gym. Big deal, right? Can work yeah, out at home sure. but but i'm looking at other people like in uh a friend in england you can't even leave your house like oh the it, the, the the videos the of stay of the at home order and stuff like yeah, jesus the, yeah.
1: the videos of i have lots of friends in england and the videos of the arrests on the boardwalks and stuff is just is disgusting yeah. right like so we're yeah. doing pretty here in good in canada here because also the canadian mm-hmm. government gave everyone who needs it two grand a month since last march so right a, it, may, it really puts uh, us in stark relief to the United States in that fact. Oh, yeah. Of course, I think they're just sedating sure. Canadians so that we don't, uh, you know, uh, protest or riot until America does whatever it's going to do. And then they're going to move on to here but I hope not like Mm -hmm. I'm being careful no matter what for the next year even it's I'm going to be in lockdown for the next year because me and my sister are looking after a mom and I have have friends Mm -hmm. whose parents have died from this so it is okay a very serious real thing and it's broken the hearts of many people I love and that is that is oh for sure for sure that is not good
0: yeah exactly uh, I I, I didn't mean to like trivialize it or anything and this it's like a real disease and I'm not necessarily a conspiracy theory I had it last year when it first started Oh, okay. Okay. Um, I'm glad you're doing well now. But uh, I think the main point was that there there are certain ways to handle things efficiently and to think about the big picture and then other ways where you're just making ridiculous rules on people's lives. And it's not even really stopping the virus. You know, it's not even, well, um, it's not the best seeing, approach, right? you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Like, you know the, the the yeah the laws don't make sense but we are not going to go if we go further rabbit right. hole we're going to end right. up with tinfoil yeah. hats and uh my oh, tinfoil, sure. i left my tinfoil hat at the last you know uh alien spaceship rally so right let right. talk about magic or or walder school if you want which is the same thing i mean uh mm-hmm. Rudolf steiner essentially created a school and he didn't create it for the same reasons it became but it was created out of the ethos of rosicrucian hermeticism and to Mm -hmm. this day it is a rosicrucian hermetic school but they're very smart about it they don't they they ardently believe they should not put their beliefs or their studies of steiner and the occult or esotericism as they call it now steiner's book an outline of occult philosophy that i had when i was young stolen from my mom's library of course (laughs) <laughs> um now is now is being republished as the an outline of esoteric science instead of an outline of a occult science so they changed mm-hmm. the names with the times of course be, to make it more uh, germane since the word occult has been associated with some darkness in the demonic crowd and satanism sure. and also it's been a, a misused in uh, i think a conspiracy talk like in the conspiracy theorists they think that golden dawn and and the OTO and Freemasonry and Rosicrucians are all part of this Illuminati conspiracy for globalism which is just ridiculous especially if you right. see the fact that most of these places can't barely afford rent let alone attract new members so it's, yeah exactly uh, it's, you think the OTO is part of some global conspiracy oh well right. brother well I don't know what
0: to tell you you're in for a disappointment <laughs> yeah exactly exactly they're more about uh, other things mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of that, it's funny. Well, my uh, my grandpa was like a 33rd degree Scottish Rite Mason, Shriner, um, published. And, you know, he was a pretty high up Freemason out in California, but... Uh, that's awesome. Yeah, yeah, my, my, yeah, my great, yeah. My mom's grandfather was too. Oh, that's, that's why awesome. I became a Freemason, yeah. Oh, that's awesome. Um, you know, one funny thing is here, I'm, I'm uh, somewhat close with the, uh, the brothers at the lodge here, right? And I haven't joined yet, but uh, one funny thing is there was a Korean... Uh, I don't know if it was a journalist or something like that, but they kind of infiltrated the group. They never joined, but they kind of hung out or whatever at the events. And apparently they end up writing some like, it might've been an internet article or blog. I don't know the actual extent of it, but how they how this Korean guy went to their like, you know, meetings or whatever. And uh, he was like, yeah, this is inside the Illuminati. In uh, They have a lodge in South Korea. <laughs> like he wrote this whole story about like, you know, how this, uh, the guy who, you know, one of the masons there is like an Illuminati member, but in reality, just like you said, it's like, he's barely, he's barely paying rent and they're barely keeping the lodge going year by year. You know? <laughs> like,
1: yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, masonry often does have a lot of money, but it also doesn't mm-hmm. at the same time. I mean, sure. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But I'm so,
0: interested. Okay. So you're uh, talking about like, Wal- Steiner. Wal- 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 I was, yeah, was going to give you
1: the one oh one for those who yeah. don't know. Because sure, it's really, sure. it's it's really, it's it's really interesting how they have these spiritual beliefs that are mm-hmm. so occult and uh, magical, but they really ardently believe in not conveying them to the students. They believe of teaching out of that ethos as uh, and teaching by example, and that is the way I think it should be. You know.
0: Sure, sure. So was uh, Steiner, was he was a Rosicrucian or a Mason or yes. was he in the Golden? Was he in the Golden Dawn? I'm very unclear. About
1: no, that. not at all. So he was uh, part of a strange, uh, you know, because, you know, they say that the, the, the rumor is that Golden Dawn formed out of Germanic Lodges and Fraunlein Sprangle, and I recently did a bit on the linguistics of the Sprangle letters, showing that there actually was a Sprangle person, and they were probably a man because German has uh, gendered grammar that showed that the person writing those letters to William and Westcott was yeah. writing as a as a male. Um, so that's interesting. That's a little episode that you can find on magicwithoutfears.com. Fraulein Sprengel was a man, and it's on YouTube Hermetic or the Golden Dawn. Fraulein Sprengel was a man. And it comes out of the remarkable research by Dr. Christopher McIntosh, who did the analyses. He got the original letters from a Masonic uh, lodge, I believe, somewhere in, somewhere. But, mm-hmm. uh, in England. But um, it's still debated, like what, you know, that, that was probably just a person in an apartment who wasn't actually actively a part of anything, but we don't actually know. So there sure. were though, German, Germanic lodges and Rudolf Steiner was actually a part of the OTO, but the pre-Crowley OTO.
0: Ah, interesting. Yeah. I, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. So, okay.
1: so he okay. was involved with the, like, so there's the, there's the whole um, Gustav Mayrink and, and, and also a Masonic, a, a version of Masonry that Steiner mm-hmm. was involved in a version of, of uh, Mizraim masonry in Germany. And so okay. Steiner was very well-trained. And I'm, I really don't know all the stuff on that. Uh, Sam Robinson on pansofers.org has a lot of really fun articles that are sometimes uh, entirely accurate, and sometimes they, they uh, assume things, but good stuff mm-hmm. altogether. And the bottom line, though, is that Steiner was a student of this mystic called M. And we do know that the mystic Mm. called M was 99.9% sure a man named Alois Mylander who actually Mm -hmm. was illiterate and Steiner believed that Mylander who would, who would teach outside of where he worked at just a, a, like a warehouse Mm -hmm. he would just speak and teach um, was Steiner believed he was the reincarnation of Christian Rosenkreuz. Interesting. Okay. Okay. Right. Yeah. Mm. So, and he, and, and, and Mylander, initiated steiner and that is why steiner claims to have been personally initiated by christian Rosenkreutz.
0: okay and so this in character was a was a rosicrucian basically or part of a rosicrucian yes well order. he
1: okay. allegedly was christian Rosenkreutz. if you want oh, to cool. get mythological on it right
0: sure sure he was like the uh reincarnated avatar of Rosenkreutz. yeah
1: <laughs> i mean that's the story i mean obviously it's far less credible than the idea of a man sure. dying on a cross redeeming the cosmos and then ascending into heaven and his mom being a virgin. It's far less credible than that, but you know, it's a story and I'm a a big lover of stories and folk tales and mythology and, and just the Mm -hmm. stories we tell ourselves also that develop our sense of self and our psychology. I love the Eric Fromm Mm. quote that my mentor in theology in grad school always said, be careful how you interpret the world. It really is like that. (laughs) <laughs> you no know?
0: that's a good one and i like that
1: one like of my that. golden dawn yeah. mentors used to always break it down by saying look your focus determines your reality oh for sure
0: for sure The so, l- different lens you put on it so, what how did um okay so with that background how so did genetics Stein- or rosicrucianism how, how did these sort of uh these practices or these initiations how did that affect how steiner uh, framed education or his, his approach to education I'm curious about that
1: that's a very good question Steiner relied heavily on his personal clairvoyant observations so mm-hmm. he was very famous as clairvoyant and and that actually caused problems in the Walder school system because when I started to develop these things at a young age mm-hmm. um, intentionally and also by design I was sort of raised to be an indigo child by my mom. And I don't mean that by the contemporary definition of it, but by the more original definition. And mm-hmm. so like I was given, I was put in psychic classes and, and trained in all this stuff. And she's a, was a famous astrologer in Canada and mm-hmm. they are also, it was a Maharishi family. So I grew up reading instead of the Bible, we read the Bhagavad Gita and, oh, and cool. instead of going to church, we would meditate and mm-hmm. that was all through transcendental meditation and Maharishi Mahesh Yogi. So when I was seven, I was initiated by my godfather, Mark McCuey, who's now the head of it. And he's, per, you know, he keeps bringing David Lynch to town and they hang out at, at the houses and we all go or could go if we wanted to, but you know, I'm usually busy playing, uh, playing music. Um, mm-hmm. You, you get it. You know what I'm saying? Oh
0: yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah,
1: baby. Uh, I just want to play music all day. What can I say? Um, yeah. And uh you're initiated at seven or I was, and you get a mantra, which is a single syllable sound that you then repeat over and over while you're doing what's called a walking meditation. So from age seven to age 10, you do a walking mantra. And I think you can start younger, but I'm not sure. For me, it was seven and you're walking around in a circle or however you want saying this mantra for as many minutes a day as you are old. And you do that Mm -hmm. once or twice a day. And when you get become 10, you get another initiation, and it's a very beautiful initiation with the, with with Maharishi's uh, you know pictures and the incense and all this uh, all this Indian language that they mm-hmm. do, and they give you this mantra. And then you get your your adult mantra at age ten, and that's when you start sitting you know cross legged in lotus, and you do mm-hmm. that as many minutes as you are old once or <laughs> ideally twice a day up until the age of thirty, and then you do it twice a day. For 30 minutes now if you continue mm. beyond that into the advanced training that would be that called the cities and where that's where you learn the 22 powers strange that coincidence that it's 22 isn't it mm, <laughs> you know yes yeah, so, so it has
0: kabbalistic. Uh, <laughs> yeah
1: well you know i don't know how much of that is indian in origin and how much of it sure. is stuff that maharishi extracted from the western tradition because the style of meditation yeah. is literally exactly what you see in the un- anonymously authored christian manuscript from middle ages the cloud of unknowing where it basically Mm, says to flip open a bible randomly and pick the first word you see and repeat it over and over until you enter this cloud of unknowing which is of course is an ecstatic transcendental state so they're very similar and i think it's most likely of course that just simply you know spirituality globally has developed Mm. along similar lines especially if we're doing what works so that is what works but me and Mm -hmm. my sister grew up as kids sitting on our parents laps while they were doing the advanced cities. And what, what especially is what made transcendental meditation famous. And is one of the reasons I'm sure that Seinfeld and all these other celebrities still swear by it. Um, they mm-hmm. do the levitation mantra where from what I could tell and what I remember, you're basically channeling your Kundalini energy down to the sacral point and it's ex- mm-hmm. exploding it, causing you to bounce. So the levitation mm. is bouncing and you have people who are really seriously into- and they're bouncing across all the rooms. They put up pillows to see how high they can stack, to see how high they can bounce over it. And and it's, a, it's <laughs> very yeah yeah they do this and there's videos of them doing this online. And and when they uh-huh. ran for the Natural Law Party to have a pol- political party in Canada based on the TM organization, you know the, mm-hmm. the ads were quite goofy. My my godfather paid for them, from what I'm told. And <laughs> they showed people levitating and all of that, and it was quite quite the uh, quite the quite the to do and uh sort of put tm back on the map but not necessarily in in the best way in the most serious way possible but what was amazing growing up as a kid was me and my sister would be like three or two or five years old sitting on our parents laps while they did these mantra techniques and the the levitation and Mm -hmm. and there was so much energy in it and we would they would you know you could feel their their whole body and life force accumulating and building and going down to their spine and boom and they would bounce and they'd sh- jerk and shake and and my dad would of course bounce higher than my mom but and they throw you off we would get thrown off our laps and onto the ground and we would giggle and laugh and we climb back on and they would do that two hours a day right so this was this was the reality i grew up with when i discovered what churches were in in, in preschool and at, what is that at a friend's house and was like, when are we going to meditate? And, you know, I never, <laughs> That's hilarious, I never got That's to go funny. to that
0: friend's house again. Boy, I tell you. Well, it's funny as you started kind of the opposite. And many, many people start out in like some sort of, um, you know, like a Christian church or some sort of formal. Um, I mean, you may call it boring practice or very, outer sort of practice but you started totally like esoteric occult meditation kundalini phenomenon like you started that way you started the opposite way really right like, yeah uh, instead of the bible uh, the bhagavad gita instead of right.
1: prayer and yeah. sunday church meditation but you know that uh, here's what's ironic then i became mm-hmm. a teenager got into mm-hmm. hermeticism after wicca and druidry and mm-hmm. through that found roman catholicism had a conversion experience watching john uh, you know, uh, watching the last temptation of Christ and converted to Roman Catholicism and got baptized and confirmed after going through the rite of Christian initiation for the, uh, for adults uh, as a, as an 18 year old while I was in the golden dawn. And so I then became a Roman Catholic. I went to seminary to become a Roman Catholic deacon. Mm-hmm. Then I changed tracks midway through seminary into Anglicanism and Episcopalianism uh, and, and, to be on, on track for the priesthood, my bishop decided I wasn't called the celibacy. And I was like, yeah, okay, I, I agree, sort of. Uh, well, at first I was like, what makes you think that? He's like, well, you're having sex with your classmates. And I was like, okay, fair
0: enough. That's not allowed. Um, yeah, yeah this might you not, know. This might well, not be the path for you. <laughs> it, was an, it, was
1: a, it was an ecumenical, interdisciplinary, multidisciplinary uh, mm-hmm. seminary so that was highly academic-based the vancouver Mm. school of theology and so Mm -hmm. it was completely academic but it was Mm -hmm. also had unitarian universalists it had roman catholics and unitarian universalists have a Group a subgroup called CUPS, which is basically neo pagans. So it was it was whatever. It was, I thought it was you spiritual said. People. I thought you said Cucks. I was like, oh. <laughs> no. Oh, that's
0: a, what an interesting group, huh? Like an interesting tantra group you got going
1: on. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure there's lots of cuck organizations within neo paganism. Those people oh, yeah. are, are are crazy awesome. Yeah, they're into all kinds of stuff. I was lecturing at Pantheacon in San Jose uh, in February last year right after I recovered from COVID. And, uh, of course I didn't know it was COVID till later, but, uh, yeah, they, 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 they would have like, they have entire suites in the hotel that are all like, like Celtic fairy orgy parties and stuff like that with lines (laughs) down the hallways. Um, of course that's, that's where often some of the coolest occultists are to just sit in the corner and have a good conversation with, but yeah, no, those Mm -hmm. occult conventions. I hope they come back because I, I only started to get my taste for them as my, uh, my, uh, sort of magical, uh, public magical career was just taking off. And, uh,
2: I, and like, I had the,
1: I had, mm-hmm. I had a massive room sold out for my presentation on the Hermetic uh, WB Yeats's Hermetic order of Celtic mysteries. I, mm-hmm. I, only, I walked out of the room. I was lecturing in because I thought I was in the wrong place. I was expecting a circle of 12 people in, in chairs uh-huh. and instead they was jam packed. And people like Mary Kay Greer, who wrote Women of the Golden Dawn and other authors were there. There was three mm-hmm. rows of OTO temple leaders and all. It was just overwhelming. And I was like, Jesus, sure. OK, well, OK, uh, I, 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 my whiteboard presentation wasn't going to fly. So I I winged it for an hour and a half and just told them the truth about what I knew of the subject instead of. Uh, You know, they should have given me a heads up for that conference, really, and been like, you know, this is going to be in the biggest room and you should have a projection thing. But that wasn't the impression they had given me. They would give me the impression, look, you know, there'll be like 20 people there and they'll sit in a circle and you can do some demonstrate some. I I thought we were going to try practicing Yates's WB Yates's own uh, evocation of the King of the Fairies mid-ear. And that was my mm. plan for the event. And we were going to work on that and, and practice it and do some techniques and have a little bit on history. But, you know, mm. when I walked in, there's like 200 people there and it's jammed <laughs> packed and, and uh, yeah. they give me this microphone and I was like, mm. Oh my God. Um, so that yeah. was just kicking off when COVID happened, really put a kibosh on, on my year's plans. I had to cancel entire book tour from California to Texas, down to Miami. I had to cancel mm. all these things And it, but you know, people are in much worse uh, straits than me. And I eventually did get out of California safely back to Canada. So, amen.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Um, I wasn't going to say, yeah, the, uh, (laughs) to go back to backtrack a bit. So you talked about your background, the uh, Maharishi Mahesh Yogi stuff, transcendental meditation, growing up in Waldorf um, and then later getting on to the golden dawn and everything. I'm I'm just curious, like what, so the fact that Steiner had all these esoteric influences And I remember, I think I listened to an episode where you're talking about you learn to read later on, right? And uh, they focus more on like your emotional development. I'm curious, like, yeah, how, how, how you're not allowed,
1: you're, you're, you're not, you're discouraged from learning to read until you're nine or 10, Mm -hmm. uh, until basically uh, grade three. And the Mm -hmm. reason is a very Steiner reason. He believed that the emotional aura was still developing at that age and that to force Mm. reading on a child when they're five or six. Um, forces the mental aura to develop sooner. Now, I don't necessarily believe all of this stuff, right? I'm just a product sure. of it. Um, and sure. I, I, I certainly never did Steiner's uh, work or experiments with aura perception in that way. But mm-hmm. he, but it does sort of make sense if you think about just the uh, psychological development of, in childhood. And sure. so by, by not, I remember being like eight years old and not being able to read and like i'd be in in the in the bathroom looking at the shampoo bottles and trying to <laughs> under, see what they said and i couldn't and that's interesting yeah it is so but in that whole time so your parents have to keep reading you stories at night for hours sometimes you know hearing about drisdorn and the other forgotten realms characters i loved and you know they oh. had to do this till we were like 11 and capable of actually reading our own books but what it does mm. do, it does keep you in a very imaginative state where you're just surrounded by what you imagine and you're playing with sticks and stones out in the yard, right? Because this is, this is the 80s, of course, so we didn't have the, the same toys. We didn't have video games or much. We were, you're discouraged from watching too much TV. You don't wear clothes with logos on them because it's, again, just mm-hmm. unnecessary to put those, that kind of Steiner understood, like mm-hmm. we say in the Golden Dawn, Mm -hmm. by names and images are all powers awakened and reawakened and the power of logos and symbolism is so like at actually we're at a point in history today where you don't even need to tell people how powerful logos and insignias are do you we all know like you don't have to explain that to someone anymore the power of symbolism can shape minds and form ideological (laughs) changes within a person's psyche everyone's like yeah no shit no shit. <laughs> yeah, it's a common sense these days. Yeah, but yeah. Not back then, but it not wasn't back then. Not back in, his day. Not yeah, back in so his day. I
2: remember crying,
1: mm. crying in kindergarten class, my first day of kindergarten in Waldorf, um, and my mom almost had to take me home, even though it was an hour drive from where we lived in Steveston, a small Japanese fishing village outside Vancouver, and mm-hmm. I was crying because I went dressed as Superman, and it wasn't <laughs> because it was the first day of kindergarten. It was because I dressed as Superman every fucking day.
0: Ah, <laughs> oh, that's pretty funny <laughs> right uh, I, i'll send yeah, you a picture yeah. of
1: me and my sister when we're five and two and you'll see i'm like holding a superman balloon with the red socks pulled up to my knees and blue shorts and a little superman thing and a cape the fucking cape uh, is important you're not superman uh, without a cape and so i had a yeah. big superman logo on me and they're like yeah he can't wear that here ever again and i was in tears i was just i was destroyed i remember it like it was yesterday no no symbolism in this house. <laughs> but, oh, you know, I'm really important. glad yeah. for that. I'm really glad for that. Mm-hmm. And, and the the stats speak for themselves while their students read later, but we mm-hmm. leave school with a much higher reading proficiency than any other school pro system in
0: the world. Sure, exactly. And I think that, uh, yeah, really, that's a very interesting approach because um, like if you look at Korea or other societies where... If if you basically strictly push people to be like test takers and you know you're jamming all this like crap down their throat rather oh, yeah. than letting letting the kid develop letting their imagination flow. Dude, we never had a multiple. You know, letting never um, had a. We
1: never had a multiple uh-huh. choice test in my entire time in school. Well, that's insane, that's and not pretty, not mm-hmm. not even in college or grad school because I mm-hmm. I knew the course I should chart after Waldorf. And if I saw that they were doing these sort of things that I, I had seen the warning signs. Cause I had saw how my, my friends went to public school. I had never set foot in a public school. But I saw my friends who did. And, and I was like, okay, there is some real value to this crazy fucked up education I've been given. And God bless oh, my, yeah. my, my mom for making my dad shill out the money, the 700 bucks a month to do it sure. because God bless her. That was the best thing they ever did for me. And, right. and, and, so I charted my course through higher education based on that. And if I saw some, it, some, mm-hmm. some public school stuff coming in there or some, just like the, the multiple choice testing is so absurd. And it's in ridiculous. Waldorf, you don't actually even get grades until high school.
0: Oh, that's a trip. Yeah, I didn't know that. No grades. It, and there's it no. Sounds so- like the whole, it sounds like the whole system basically, this is what I'm getting out of it, at least from your explanation, is that it's sort of the whole system's meant to develop your emotions, your intuition, your creativity, um, and sort of really the individual. Whereas, you know, the other the public education system, it's almost just meant to bog you down and have you become a robot who's capable yeah, of, yeah. Uh, you know, hitting buttons like A, B, C, A, B, C, like a worker in a factory versus well, somebody okay. who, who would imagine creating, you know, a, a business or. Yeah. And, and, you know, yeah. I, I
1: looked, I found out in grad school, that is actually how the mainstream education world was developed was to train factory workers. Like, yeah, you, exactly. I've heard The that authors, mm-hmm. when you read the authors of the 18th, 19th century, they're describing that form of education. Charles Dickens did it very well and mm-hmm. yeah they're they're training you to be able to have a job in in this button pushing factory in the industrial revolution and yeah. uh, whereas in waldorf like yeah you got like three to five hours of art class every day so let me tell you about waldorf let me really tell you about waldorf okay Let's, the real lowdown the real lowdown. <laughs> yeah. I, I haven't oh. done it fully so i'll do it fully yeah. once okay so in grade one you're meant to end at noon but our teacher kept us till three now it was the 80s so there was still some fucked up shit going on like if people misbehaved they got their mouths washed out with soap
0: oh wow okay right okay but well that my mom did Waldorf that to me as a kid anyways well,
1: so <laughs> yeah so, you, so you're a tough yeah. kid too but like yeah. that wasn't a Waldorf thing and that teacher miraculous for some strange reason wasn't teaching there the next year go figure but mm. uh here's a key thing uh, every class from grade one to grade eight is only meant to have one teacher, one primary teacher, and that's their like homeroom teacher. but we call mm-hmm. it your class guardian, and they guide you and are your main person from grade one to grade eight. My class was traumatized by going through several teachers, and that was just, on un- that was just bad luck.
0: So. so so the guardian teacher, that's sort of like a homeroom teacher yeah. for, for eight grades in a row. It's the same Yeah, teacher. so they teach
1: you the first uh, okay. two hours every morning and then they teach you maybe mm-hmm. a, a little bit throughout the day. But you do have other subject teachers, of course, which involve okay. all their colouring, painting and knitting and then recorder. Um, <laughs> and then you have a different guardian for high school. And again, in high school, you start the day with your main lesson or in, in the German Hauptunterricht, the, the top lesson. And that's a mm-hmm. two-hour lecture. Um, that have, lasts for three to five weeks on one subject. And it's cool mm. subjects, like in grade nine, the last course of the, the last main lesson of the year was called the aesthetics of language talked by, taught by Dr. Idol Tim, who was this world-renowned expert on Yeats und Nietzsche and also awesome. spent his entire PhD years, 10 years of doing his, his, his PhD in Ireland with a German Celtic folk band in the town of Roundstone playing in a band called the beta folk playing celtic ballads from the child book of ballads which is this famous collection Mm -hmm. of all the ballads of scotland and
0: ireland so oh yeah i'm I'm familiar with that yeah that's awesome yeah so really attracts what's what's so cool is that you guys um the waldorf system it attracts such an eclectic group of people that you just get so many so much gold and gems you know oh yeah it sounds like yeah whereas like in, (laughs) in public education you're just getting like you know just recitation of you know it just seems like a fact yes, for yeah. producing lemmings or people living yeah. lives of quiet desperation. Um honestly I- for for me, I mean we'll get into this later, but for me, uh what really freed me from not becoming a robot drone was in uh freshman year of high school, I started taking acid like once a week, and that got me yeah, that that, that basically freed my mind from not being a drone. I remember sitting in um it was uh, English class, this is in freshman year. And I'd taken like three or four hits of acid and we we're listening to Romeo and Juliet, right? It was just, uh, it was on a, a cassette or whatever it, right? and so it was, uh, they're playing it, Romeo, Romeo, and I just hear like all the audio starts distorting. I'm looking around, I'm like seeing the teacher's aura and like energy vibrating off the teacher. Yeah. Like, all right, well, uh, well, hey, maybe I don't need to uh, be a mindless drone. Uh, when, when
1: did you start being able to see Clairvoyantly?
0: Um. I don't know. I would say I was very intuitive as a kid, but yeah, then, me too. Right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, you. Yeah, growing up the way you. Would did you remember
1: dad, when you actually first started seeing though the energy emanating off of matter?
0: Um, I would say like really seeing it clearly was when I started experimenting with psychedelics because it just oh, sort of blasted, sort of like blasted open the third eye where it just became extremely clear, right? But I, I thought, um, see, I
1: thought psychedelics uh, destroyed your psychic ability my whole life up until i was 25 i always thought that people who did pod or psychedelics lost their connection with with uh, psychism uh that was my belief but that was partly because i was raised by parents who were anti-drinking anti-drugs and all of that stuff from their 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 parents who were you know damaged goods you could say and, sure uh, my, my experience has been totally the opposite it's yeah i um, know now now that i have significant uh, entheogenic mm-hmm. training i'm uh, mm-hmm. i'm aware that it is harmonious Though so it can also be it can derail you just like anything can
0: oh yeah um, for sure for sure if used in the right way if you abuse it or overuse it or whatnot yeah i mean yeah. anything anything going to the extreme can have uh bad ramifications right but uh before we go to the psychedelic stuff uh I'm curious. Okay. So we talked about the, the here's the the Uh cool
1: thing people should know. So Uh in grade one, Uh your main focus is, is Mm -hmm. Grimm's fairy tales. And every day your teacher reads to you for an hour or two from Grimm's fairy tales. while you have lie down time. That's when you're in grade one.
2: (laughs) Yeah. So (laughs) you lie down
1: and the Uh tea and you just, and, and, and the musical instruments every year has a different instrument regime and a different Mm -hmm. knitting regime. So in grade one, you do finger knitting, you do certain tons of art stuff, which I won't get into the, the form drawing or the eurythmy, which is amazing. Eurythmy is like weightlifting for the aura, but don't, 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 don't tell people that or we'll get a bunch of magical Schwarzeneggers out there doing crazy stuff. Um, and uh, yeah, that's a secret between you and me. Um, so Grimm's Fairy Tales, and you play the, the, the five-hold recorder. And then in grade two, you move on to uh, regular knitting, Mm -hmm. And a seven or six hold recorder and you move on to First Nations or Native American, as you would call it, uh, Mm -hmm. stories and mythology. And then in grade three, a bigger recorder again, and you move on to uh, crochet Mm -hmm. and and, uh, and, uh, Old Testament, or that's a pejorative term now, it should be called Hebrew Bible because... It's not the Old Testament, it's, it's a testament, it's their literature. It's, you know it's a pejorative thing to say, to call the Hebrew Bible, the Torah, the Tanakh, it's pejorative to call it the Old Testament, because that implies that, you, that the Christian one is better
0: right obviously yeah obviously so if, right, if you're uh, the if updated you're, uh the old the old useless and then the updated the, yeah that <laughs> well that's the, that's
1: christian polemics brother that's like that's yeah, like calling yeah. the middle ages the dark ages that was because protestants and reformers wanted to poo-poo the catholic golden age because the middle ages mm-hmm. were not the dark ages they were the golden ages and they were a lot cleaner than people actually supposed than the protestant polemics would have you think but you know that's a story sure. for another time so and then in grade f- at four you're like doing uh, four needle knitting and you're mm-hmm. doing uh, the, uh, the Norse mythology. Then, grade five, you're oh, doing awesome. the, and then you start, you have to pick violin or cello and you start playing one of those two instruments every day. And, grade five, you do Greek mythology and then you get to be an so cool. orchestra. And then, in grade six, you do Egyptian mythology. Then, in grade seven, you do world history <clears throat> mythology. And then in grade eight, you do modern <laughs> modern history mythology because it's all taught to you in the framework. That's my point. It's wow, all taught so to you in the framework of mythology, isn't it? Dope. Because like yeah. when you're so when you're studying Napoleon Bonaparte, you're like, so basically he was like Moses, who was a
0: douchebag. It's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool. I mean, uh, the structure is fascinating and it's so cool they take from all these different sources and tie it together at the end and everything that's awesome yeah it is Uh pretty
1: cool so and and then in high school all of a sudden it's like adult time grade nine high school it's adult time you are all of a sudden given all of this freedom you can leave the school property at lunchtime and you're taught you're treated like an adult you can eat during Mm. class in high school because you can have a slurpee there if you want. If you have to get mm-hmm. up and go to the bathroom, you just get up and go and you don't have to ask. Like, you know, instantly it goes from grade eight to grade nine. You're an adult. But right. I have you my can, spiritual. You can think
0: for yourself. Think for yourself. You can act for think yourself. for yourself.
1: Sort of Question. Authority. authority. Exactly. Think for yourself. <laughs> Question. Authority. That... We're... We'll talk about tool later,
0: right? Yeah, exactly. exactly. You're a tool fan, right? Oh, huge tool fan. Okay. Really yeah. big tool fan. Yeah.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. So you did you see me on my. Instagram live stream the other day jamming prison sex on my eight string lute Oh
0: no I missed that. I'll have to see if I can pull it up. I'll have to see if there's a way to pull it up though. Yeah. I was or are you, or are you gonna have to you're it's, have it's to on my it Instagram, brother. It's it's on <laughs> oh, my okay, my okay.
1: fratter.rc Instagram. Um, uh, it's it's there. I, it was a shit show. that all the, i I only get to jam uh play my instrument like once every two weeks for about half an hour these days because of the situation i'm in or we're all in and i don't yeah Mm -hmm. so but which is hard when you go from playing music five to ten hours a day to only 20 minutes but whatever yeah there's time for that um sure sure. i had my spiritual awakening between grade seven and grade eight Mm, okay that was traumatic that was traumatic and i went from being a very Mm -hmm. athletic sporty Mm -hmm. kid to being Mm -hmm. like a goth reading Anne rice Mm -hmm. and the reason is This is something I haven't talked about before. The reason is I found this fire awakened above my head while I was Mm -hmm. watching a forest fire in the Okanagan in Penticton in 1994. Very famous. It destroyed like, you know, 10,000 homes and half a million acres or something like that. And while I was watching Mm. it, there was this like, all of a sudden this like light or flame that went on above my head. It's like the fire I was looking at awakened a fire above me and a fire above my head. And what's really interesting to me about that in retrospect is I wasn't familiar. Of course, of course, mm-hmm. I wasn't familiar with mm-hmm. the story from the Bible of Pentecost.
3: Mm-hmm. When the, okay.
1: the apostles after Jesus had died on Pentecost, all had these flames appear above their heads and awaken them. Right. right so right. I, I, I didn't that, yeah. know that story at all. We didn't even learn it when we did Old Testament mythology in grade three, because we never did New Testament. There was never any Jesus stuff, not once in Waldorf.
0: Interesting. Which is
1: even though Steiner believed he was initiated by Christian Rosenkreutz and was, you know, a Rosicrucian envoy of the world. And Mm -hmm. remind me later to tell you his connection with the golden dawn, because there was a brief connection that is very important that people don't realize it's, it's new scholarship. You could say. Um, okay, but so mm-hmm. that awakened me. And during that summer, I, uh, my mom took me to her, her with her boyfriend, who was a top person in the Rosicrucian Amwork, ancient mystical order, Rosicrucius, and also a witch. And he's the one who told me mm-hmm. that magic was real, and occultism was real, and there was actual spells. And so I was like, okay, I need to, I need to check this out. Cause I didn't believe him at all. I thought he was full. So your mother's,
0: shit. so your mother's boyfriend was in Amor in the Rose.
1: He was, Green he order. was mm-hmm. a high level Amor guys. And.
0: Mm-hmm. Aren't they based out of uh, San Jose? Yeah. Yeah. So I went, okay. my mommy actually
1: took me down there when I was 15 to try and test out of the junior order of torchbearers and get permission to study the adult material because I was a, I was a little, a little uh, prodigy, I guess, and needed mm-hmm. to, needed to not do the, the, the lame child stuff. But um, <laughs> we went to, I woke up after that night staring at that forest fire um, mm. and feeling this awakening outside of
0: Pizza Hut and feeling just
1: like, energy.
0: <laughs> that's usually like, where uh, most, uh, that's where I hear most uh, spiritual awakenings happen, usually in front of Pizza Hut or Starbucks or, oh, dude. I, you know, Walmart perhaps. <laughs> I miss, I, miss pe- I want, now I all I want
1: to do is eat pizza now and I can never get to eat pizza for the rest of my life. I'm a celiac, so I I, I, literally, I literally will never have that taste in my mouth for the rest of my life. And yeah, there's gluten-free, dairy-free pizzas. It's not the, it's same, not the same thing. It's
2: not the yeah. same at all. It's like yeah.
1: beer. I was a Guinness lover. I, I'm Guinness is good for you all the way. And do you know what the problem is with gluten-free beer? It's missing that thing that gluten provides. And that thing is called yumminess. <laughs> right? the, like, the gluten yeah. is actually what makes the beer so it's, right. it's a travesty of epic proportions and when i meet the holy of holies face to face i will certainly <laughs> raise my uh concerns, objections. concerns yes. and objections. <laughs> i have a few words to share with the lamb of god about this whole celiac thing but i'm uh, grateful to be alive because you know when i was oh, 30 yeah. 30 doc when i was 30 years old doctors told me i had five years tops left to live And now I'm turning 40 on the 31st of this month in January. So
0: amen. Amen. Prove
1: those doctors wrong. They're a bunch of fuckers.
0: Exactly. Yeah. That's good. Um, good You're doing well.
1: So I woke up the next day. Mm -hmm. And after that awakening and feeling my whole energy, I felt my whole aura vivified. And I'd never experienced the aura before, despite years of meditation and all that. Mm -hmm. And my whole body felt on fire with this flame that was very much sitting above my head. Over my Mm -hmm. forehead. And I woke up the next day and there was this one phrase in my head. And the phrase was, it's sort of adorable because it's so childish, but it was like, I have to be an occult. And Mm -hmm. I didn't know the word occultist, but I knew the word occult from White Wolf Publishing's Vampire the Masquerade.
0: Mm Hmm. Okay.
1: That's interesting. I Mm -hmm. I knew I had to, I knew that awakening. And it was really weird though. I remember waking up in the tent on our summer vacation in Penticton, knowing I had to be an occult. And we went to these (laughs) bookstores and I got a book on Druidry. And then I got a book on, on Celtic magic by DJ Conway. And we bought all these little love potions and all my mom spent hundreds of dollars. I'm sure buying me and my sister, whatever we wanted and stuff because you know, divorced family parent, parental guilt is all you have to really trade with it. And I Mm -hmm. started I read the whole book on the drive back to Vancouver, like a five hour drive from Penticton to Vancouver. And mm-hmm. it was the first time I'd ever read an entire book in my life was DJ Conway's Celtic magic. And I was, I was so on fire by the time I got back. I was like, I, I, I'm not going to be a Druid. I am a Druid. I am a Celtic Druid magician motherfucker. That's mm-hmm. what I am. And I, I looked at the book and I said, what's Celtic mom? What's Celtic magic? And she's like Celtic. That's what that's what we are. I'm like, we're Celtic? Mm. I thought we were white.
2: Come on, bitch. <laughs> I thought we were white. And I and oh, she's like, funny. no,
1: we're Celtic. And I was like, well, but we're English. She's like, no, we're not English. And mm. when we got home, she sat me down and took out a globe. And mm-hmm. she shows me Ireland and Scotland. She's like, that's where our family's from. I'm like, but how come all my cousins are English?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: How come, like, you know, and Aunt, Aunt Cheryl and Aunt, Uncle Tony. And Mm -hmm. and cousin Matthew and Sarah, my favorite cousins, they're all English. She's like, well, here's the thing, honey. They're not actually related to you. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) He's like, they are the children of your adopted grandfather before he married your grandma. I'm like, so wait, Papa is not my grandpa. She's like, not by blood. Mm, I'm like, but, but, but the, but the rest, I was like, So, so I found out that both my parents had had parents that were Irish and Celtic and Scottish. And like my grandma's dad left Dublin in 1915, good timing for the Mm. 1960, Uh. 1960 Easter rising. And, Mm. uh, and, and they had both died off from alcoholism and despair. Um, And I have a whole song about that called song for my mother. And Mm. they, uh, so I never met them. And I grew up with these adopted parents with adopted last names So my family's last name was uh, Precious originally, Mm -hmm. which was an English Mm -hmm. name though from an Italian root. But the actual family name was Houghton out of Dublin. Mm, So Geraldine, my grandma, my who's just turned ninety eight, is four foot eleven. She went to the Mm. hospital with heart problems like last year and drove herself home two weeks later that's a tough irish <laughs> that's a dublin woman man she's yeah. like not gonna die she's like she's got, fighting,
0: uh, she's got fighting irish in her veins you know? yeah yeah this is uh, this
1: is one of those women who would have like totally been part of the ira if they hadn't bailed on <laughs> back
0: in 1915 yeah. yeah oh that's pretty crazy so, so you, got, it seems like you had you had like a double awakening like you had the spiritual sort of uh um, awakening and then at the same time you had this sort of an awakening or a revelation about your identity or your, your lineage. Yeah. Is one of the and after, after that,
1: my mom started taking me to psychics and putting me in these classes. And, you know, I, I remember setting up my first altar from that DJ Conway book. I have a photo that I'll send you. And, mm. and, and, you know, I, but I remember sitting there and thinking, well, what now? Cause there was no training for what to do after that. There was no actual mm-hmm. how to do it. And I found then all the Scott Cunningham books she had bought. And I started practicing Wicca and Druid okay. and, mm-hmm. and doing what I could with that. But it, it wasn't until I started, like, really pushing myself around age 14 to get into some of the Alephis Levi and reading Donald Michael Craig's Modern Magic was big. Now, I didn't like it because I saw these archangel names and these divine Hebrew names, and I associated uh, with that with Christianity, and I was like, sure. fuck that shit. I am not getting into any of that Jesus craziness because I had that crazy aunt I told – did I mention that in Missouri? I had a crazy fundamentalist aunt. Who, uh, uh, no, that was you the a, last i already did a a our podcast today so i had a bad taste uh-huh. in my mouth because they were like yeah. pad- they were paddling their kids and 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 stuff like that and tell- saying like <laughs> you know Gays are going to hell, and telling all everyone, all the gays in the family that they're burning in hell, and so, so it was I was basically
0: like, it was basically the opposite of your family, like where you had yeah this like Eastern yeah plus open yeah uh-huh.
1: plus RPGs like everything from Dungeons and Dragons to 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 White Wolf games and all of that stuff that I was obsessed with from age you know ten to fifteen mm-hmm. that stuff all really was very anti-Christian in a way, so I didn't understand yeah. that there was a mystical side to this stuff, and I had no sure. idea. I had no idea that Rudolf Steiner was connected or Waller school was connected to this stuff. Cause they don't tell you that they don't tell right. you that they just educate you in the most beautiful way you could ever imagine. And it wasn't until I right. came back from that vacation and then in grade eight, I'm reading Anne Rice. I'm goth as hell gaining <laughs> weight. And then I decided, I discovered
0: Alistair Crowley. Oh, OK. So that was actually so Crowley was actually your introduction into yeah. Golden Dawn in a way. Yeah. No. But you find well, out this, about him, you find out about where, you know, it's actually
1: even more fucked mm. up than that, brother. Uh-huh. So at 13, 14, I'm discovering Aleister Crowley. And then I realized, well, it was from a book that had mm-hmm. actually got accidentally gotten mixed up from my with my mom's stuff mm-hmm. when we left her an, a different boyfriend's house when I was 10. So I had a very traumatic divorce years. I'm not going to talk about that now, but I ended up for a while at this house, this big white mansion um, run by a, a, a sort of OTO type group um, mm-hmm. with a high priestess of the of the AA uh, with a boyfriend. And my mom was sort of dating the guy as well. They all started this cafe called Spirals that was all painted black on lower Lonsdale in North Fan. And it was hmm. they were doing ritual works there at night and all this, this stuff. And it was a big house and there was all these rooms I couldn't go into. And years later, I found out they were trafficking a large amounts of cocaine and stuff like that. And <laughs> wow, so I was, okay. I was 10 and, and the man was quite abusive to me and my sister and would hit us a lot. And, and my mom escaped from that house there in the middle of the night on a dark and stormy night and took us out of there and, and raised us right after that. But this one book got mixed up in her things that was owned by this AA priestess, and it was The Tree of Life by Israel Rigardi. And so interesting, I found interesting. that book, and it was even signed. I, I, it's in my stolen library today, so I don't have it, but it's signed by the, the AA adept who gave it to her, her teacher, because in AA, you have your own you have your own
0: uh, mentor it's a master
1: apprentice model so it's master to student they initiate you so I got that I inherited that and I got into that and there was another book I found in my mom's library that had all these famous occultists a very pop pop culture sort of book that talked about Crowley so I went to the library as one does in in the early 90s and started got all the books out on Crowley I could I found one that was allegedly written by his son turns out later that I believe it's a forgery by this guy Amado Crowley And I read about Aleister Crowley and I did a big dangerous thing. I wrote my grade eight book report on Aleister Crowley and turned it into my teacher. Like we're talking on a word processor, printed it out. I was so proud of this thing. (laughs) And I was, I was going to shock the shit out of these fucking tight ass teachers and their, you know, their, their non-vampiric ways. And the, here's the problem. Here's what, where the real awakening happened. The teacher saw it dear elizabeth wilby a british woman who's still alive thank god and Mm -hmm. she looks at the essay the biography which is a big deal for a 13 year old to do and she says oh alistair crowley i'm like (laughs) you've heard of him or like you know and Mm -hmm. she's like oh of course he Rudolf steiner knew him and all of those people back in the day i was like wait what
3: like
1: what
0: (laughs) that was a big revelation yeah
1: and I was like okay I need to pay attention to this Rudel. so I went through my mom's library and found an outline of occult science by Rudolf Steiner I was like what the Mm -hmm. fuck is this shit what school am I in what school have you put me in like where the hell am I and so I start asking my teachers all these questions and they're answering them because they have no problem talking about anthroposophy sure Steiner with people mm. who ask if you ask i'm like so what's up with anthroposity did steiner believe in magic and they'd be like oh yes he was a clairvoyant you're like wait what he was a clairvoyant right. They're like he he right. understood so they, they don't the tell past. you any of this but if you no, do, a bit of digging, they don't tell then. you any of it they don't tell you yeah, any of it which is, is so as an adult and a professional educator now like you know that's so uh, that's so advanced that's so advanced yeah. the idea of teaching by example is an advanced sure. human idea that that the he, whole human species still has not grokked on a, on a global scale. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Right. That, I mean, if they awesome. did, if they had grokked it, then we wouldn't have governments behaving the way they're behaving. Cause by t- in under the ethos of teaching by example, if we were to act the way that the governments that we have currently act, things would be a shit show.
0: Oh, for sure. For sure. And
1: clearly things aren't a shit show. I mean, the world's quite placid at the moment.
0: Yeah, it's not like (laughs) we're we're teaching you this way. So you become clairvoyant and you see the world in this way. It's more. No, we're giving you the lens to figure it out. We're giving you it's like giving you the tools so that you can kind of put the put the pieces together and figure it out yourself. That's awesome. Yeah, like yes. you said, very advanced uh, approach to education. So by grade
1: nine, I had started a a, 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 a witch a witch coven with my my best friend Daniel, and we let mm-hmm. we needed a third person, and there was a Satanist who we knew, and I didn't want a Satanist, but my buddy was like, "That's mm-hmm. the only person." that is available that we know that <laughs> hey we're, we're low know. on members
0: bro you can't be <laughs> yeah, sold, yeah. Hey, so bad hey beggars you know. can't be
1: choosers <laughs> yeah and and so we yeah. went from there but studying when i when i actually tried donald michael craig's modern magic rituals and the uh-huh. lbrp and mm-hmm. actually like i had hit a, a dead end with wicca i was doing the sabbats i was doing the espats i was doing everything you could do with all the published literature like within within three years i had easily bought you know divorced single mom i had gotten every book i wanted plus i had gotten into magic the gathering and and was really good at trading and selling cards so i was i was i by 16 i made about a hundred thousand dollars and was able to buy everything i needed and Mm -hmm. i i bought all the books i read all the books but the Mm -hmm. practice wasn't there i wanted more magic than paganism was providing me and sure. So you kind of, when you I, kind of
0: reached a, you reached a yeah, limit, basically. I did. Yeah.
1: I did, and uh-huh. and keep and so I tried the LBRP, and I was uh-huh. very surprised by how effective it felt, and mm. and from there it's history. Like mm-hmm. by fifteen, I got my mom to interview, go to an interview with me at the Temple Tahuiti, the Golden Dawn Temple in Vancouver, and. She signed a waiver. How did you? How
0: did you? Uh, how did you find them, or how did you look them up? Because this found is all them, like obviously pre-internet and stuff. You this know, is right?
1: 1996, brother.
0: Okay. Okay.
1: Yeah. So wow. I was 15, 1996, and uh-huh. uh, I found a flyer and I called it, and it sounded like a used car salesman. That's because the guy <laughs> was a used car salesman. And <laughs> I, I didn't call for a couple of years from 13 to 15, but eventually I just kept hitting walls with a failed Mm -hmm. attempt to do Don Craig's five equals six self initiation that went horribly wrong. And you'll hear about that in, in other places, other times, but I've I've done enough of that for now. And, and I eventually bit the bullet and I called the golden Dawn, and, and left a message on the answering machine. I said, cause I met a bookseller who said he met the guys and he knew they weren't that bad. And I was like, that's all I'm asking for. All I'm asking for is people who know more than me, (laughs) to teach me what they know and not be too bad. That's all I'm looking for. Like, and you were, you were a, 18 at the time? I was, I was 15.
0: Oh, 15. Oh, okay, okay. Yeah, I was, wow, I was wow, a child,
1: wow. man. I was 14 when I started uh, getting serious into, into that, and I had already been doing magic seriously for two years before that. And, okay. uh, you know, it was a mixture of magic and Dungeons and & Dragons. So, like, the two things didn't go hand-in-hand hand at all. That's just Mm -hmm. all I cared about because I had lost all interest in school. I was a straight F student through grade nine. Like I was on the verge of being expelled from Walder school. And it's very hard to be expelled from a school that you're paying a lot of money to, but I was Mm -hmm. on the verge of being expelled in grade nine F's throughout every class, the entire year until the last one with the ballads and the aesthetics of language with Dr. Idle Tim, then Mm -hmm. I got an a, and that was the reason the teachers actually let me go into grade 10 and gave me another shot. And it was in that mm. summer that I went to my orientation at Temple Tahuti and met Frater Ka. Very honored Frater mm. Ka. Yes, Frater yes, Ka yes. was the founder of Temple Tahuti. And he's now- Oh, famous- I didn't know that. He's- I did not yeah, know that. Yeah, he founded Temple Tahuti. And he was initiated into the Golden Dawn when he was 16 in Los Angeles. And he's an Arabic adept and a mystic. And he's now world fucking famous as the isn't he, he's British. I thought,
0: right. Not Canadian. No, right? he,
1: well, no, he sounds Canadian to me and I, I believe he's Canadian. I mean, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Uh-huh. I mean, his, his, yeah, I don't want to out him too much, but very okay. <laughs> talk, he's, he's yeah. famously known as the author Nineveh Shadrach these days.
0: Mm, yeah. okay. But to,
1: to us, he was just Mimo.
0: Oh, okay. Okay. So no I, name. I mean, I'm not, I'm not going <laughs> to tell
1: you his name is mm-hmm. al Day, but that's his name. Um, Mm-hmm. <laughs> the man you can, with no name you can name. bleep that out or not he doesn't care none of us care the whole world is ending our lives are short and we're
0: we're trying to sure. just
1: die empty you know that expression die empty
0: no to die empty what is it think about it oh it die makes sense, yeah. empty sure sure it makes doesn't sense that me. feel empowering yeah for sure no attachments like, no don't, emptiness. not
1: not don't, and- don't no no regrets don't, no die. Regrets, yeah. Don't die. Don't mm-hmm. die with something you haven't fucking shared in this reality, because trust mm-hmm. me, the the afterlife and the DMT realms, they're going to be fabulous. You're not even going to mm-hmm. think about the shit that we did here, even though while we're here, what we have to do and what we get to experience, especially the jouissance of life is so sure. fucking fabulous. Enjoy it. That's one thing the Lima got right. Like the idea of mm-hmm. joy and jouissance and some of the Victorians mm-hmm. stuff that Crowley rebelled against was problematic. I mean, mm-hmm. McGregor mm-hmm. Mathers was probably a closeted gay guy. And that's why he had <laughs> married Moina as his beard. And that's why they probably moved to Paris so he could bicycle around on his kilt and meet other gay guys and have a, a sexual life. I mean, they had a celibate mm. marriage. I mean, some people say, oh, it's because they, they didn't want to seem like they were, uh, they were less spiritual. And I'm like, mm. Oscar Wilde had just gone to jail. His wife joined the Golden Dawn. Mathers and Crowley knew to keep their mouths fucking shut
0: right right it's funny because uh if you look at like people people think Crowley's extreme or something but like look at the modern day I mean it's like you know like open free sex you have tinder you have just drugs everywhere it's like what he was doing at the time it's not compared to like modern standards of a 20 year old it's like nothing really you know oh yeah really, not, Lon, Lon, uh, the
1: first time I did magical work with Lon Milo
0: Duquette Mm-hmm. We did a, the
1: Enochian Aether text. And mm, he yes. said in that lecture before we did the working, he was like Crowley by modern standards was boring. <laughs> Moderate. Yeah, exactly.
0: Yeah. exactly. Yeah, like,
1: yeah. 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 I have friends doing all kinds of crazy stuff and
0: mm-hmm. yeah,
1: I, yeah. yeah, we can't touch it, but yeah, anyway, but he was rebelled There is, there is a bit of um, conservatism to that early Victorian magic scene that I'm glad it sure. has, has gone away with the
0: times. Sure, sure. For people, uh, so we're talking about Golden Dawn now. So for people who are not familiar with the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn, how would you describe it or summarize it? Like a real brief introduction to it.
1: Well, so there was William Wynne Westcott, Dr. Mm-hmm. R. W. Woodman and McGregor Mathers. They were all master masons. Uh, Westcott yes. was a uh, top ranking Scottish Rite, which is 30th degree in Mm -hmm. the UK because they don't have beyond that. And they all got together with a a manuscript that uh, was probably, I've talked about who probably wrote the manuscript, but it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. I can't remember right now. And uh, they decided what they wanted was to create a magical order. They wanted something like, and they didn't build it out of Freemasonry. They uh, built it out of Sock Ross. Or the Societist Rosicruciana in Anglia. So they loved the Rosicrucian mythology, and they mm-hmm. loved the the fact that Kabbalah had this whole practical side known as magic or theurgy and thaumaturgy, and they wanted to incorporate that into a magical order. And they also wanted to allow women on equal footing, and mm-hmm. that is which, what which
0: Masonry they, did not have. Yeah, mm-hmm.
1: no. I mean, mm-hmm. well, actually, if you talk to Geraldine, who runs Atlantis Books in London, she'll, she's a, she's a Mason. She'll tell you, and I did my research to confirm it, that there's mm-hmm. been Masonic orders that have allowed women in since the 1700s. And that's true, apparently.
0: So. Oh, true. Okay. That's yeah, true. That I, didn't true. That. I didn't not, realize that. I didn't realize that. But not like on the whole, I'm talking about like yeah. the mainstream or on the whole. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: So they, mm-hmm. but what they really wanted was magic. They wanted practical magic. The other difference between masonry and and golden dawn that was the big shift was in masonry, all all the, the, the everything's in the initiation, all the work Mm -hmm. that you're meant to do, all the craft work is in the initiation. It's memorization work and it's, 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 it's absorbing the symbolism into your sphere of sensation, your aura. Uh And mm-hmm. and that is what masonry is. But Golden mm-hmm. Dawn created a curriculum that happened after the initiation. And in the original Golden Dawn, that was just five meditations, a bunch of, like Crowley said, a few mm-hmm. Hebrew words and, and a single ritual, the LBRP. And all the rest mm-hmm. of the rituals were reserved for the inner order, the second order, the RRIDAC, the Rosea Rubai oria Crucis. And Crowley, of course, came down and said that the LBRP is the sort of the... Ritual par excellence of all rituals. And people have often questioned, why did Crowley think the LBRP was so great? And the answer is because that's the only one he learned, because he failed (laughs) to the the second order.
0: Right, right. And so for each um, grade, you have like tests, right? There's like grades that you have to, yeah you have to basically you have to know like Kabbalah, astrology, tarot, they have a bunch of stuff that you a bunch of curriculum that you go over. And then you take a test, and that kind of determines, and ritual work too, right? Initiations. So, what modern whether you move on to the next grade or not.
1: And what a lot of the modern Golden Dawn orders have done, Mm -hmm. um, I call them traditional orders if they, in certain ways, but some people say that they're just modern orders and not traditional. And I call the traditional orders dogmatic, but it doesn't matter. That's all, that's all polity shit. Um, Mm -hmm. But what they did was, see here's the thing they were they were just developing so they hadn't developed a lot of these rituals the middle pillar didn't come along really till Regardi, even mm-hmm. though it as david heim smith clarified it is based on the kabbalistic technique so they were doing mm-hmm. they were experimenting they were a group of guys experimenting with how to do magic they were recreating a magical tradition that had almost died out
0: and sure, so sure, they sure. were getting and they're, some pulling, they're pulling out uh, manuscripts and stuff from yeah. uh, like the british library and um, you know, different grimoires and things along these lines, right? Yeah, and Mather's putting and putting it together, sort of, um, in a cohesive system. They say, developed
1: right? amazing rituals. Like, I mean, this is this is the order that developed the analysis of the keyword. And the initiations Mm. are amazing, but the reason uh, there's not much material in the outer order is one, the outer order was kept as a litmus test for the inner order, which is where the magic really began. So it's fair to say that the outer order of the golden dawn is not a magical order. It's an alchemical order. And the purpose of it is to do these meditations and go through these initiations to purify the five elements of your being in preparation for the initiation into spirit which is Mm -hmm. the portal grade, the probationary grade for the inner order, which is where Mm -hmm. Crowley got fucked up and failed. (laughs) And partly I blame Mathers for that because Mathers used him as a pawn in the schism to get money from Annie Horniman, but that's another story. Mm -hmm. And then you get the solar initiation as Rudolf Steiner would call it. And that isn't the inner order. And that was when you started practicing the banishing ritual, the hexagram the analysis of the keyword and all these other rituals and doing actual techniques like pathworking and scrying modern orders mm. took a lot of that stuff and mm-hmm. put it in the outer because why mm-hmm. not that way that left them space to develop new techniques. Cause any, any time sure. you take a few thousand people run them through a magical initiatory system and tell mm-hmm. them to work their butts off in collaboration with each other mm-hmm. Uh you know 24 7 sometimes they're going to come up with a lot of new stuff so you need mm-hmm. to make room for the new stuff and you do that by taking the advanced techniques of a yesteryear like mm-hmm. 100 years ago and shoving it down down the hill and saying mm-hmm. here do tatwas in the beginning build your elemental grade weapons do the middle pillar do the watchtower and portal do tatwa scrying in neophyte why not like let's let's increase our development here and that's what you have with a lot of the reputable and good golden dawn orders today and they all do it in Mm -hmm. a slightly different way so if you're going to join one you should pick you should do your research talk to some people a lot of them are getting more comfortable with being public and that's really Mm -hmm. great in my opinion and i had an amazing experience from age 15 to 24 going from neophyte to a chief Mm -hmm. of the of the order in Canada and Imperator. I I was hierophant. I've been every temple officer except the 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 uh, sentinel because it seemed a little mm-hmm. boring and I, I didn't want to hold a <laughs> sword outside the door. But no, I've done all the t- temple officer things in six-month terms multiple times. I've been a hierophant for many terms. I've been all the dais officers in the temple, mm-hmm. every single one, which is, it might sound like nothing, but it's, it's really a ton of work. Like, mm-hmm. it's 24-7 doing magic. Like, like I haven't done just one or two 12 to 24 hour ritual days. I've done thousands Hmm. and that's 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 amazing. amazing. And I'm Mm -hmm. so grateful for creating that opportunity for myself. And here's the key I have to share with people. If they are considering doing it, you've got Hmm. to remember to ignore the bullshit because there's always a Hmm. lot of bullshit that comes from dealing with other human fucking beings So ignore it. Sure, sure. Like, you know, be ninja about it and don't get involved in it. Don't become one of these adepts or one of these neophytes that's fucking around or not actually learning the material well enough to pass with the mandatory 95% success rate on the test. Like, bust ass. Do the Mm -hmm. diaries. When you see other people flaking or not taking it seriously enough, don't Mm -hmm. do like them. Do Mm -hmm. it so much better than them that you put them to shame because this is not a journey you're taking with other people this is a journey you're taking all Mm -hmm. by yourself other people just happen to be around you they're just there and sometimes they serve you and and help you and heal you and sometimes they will
0: tear you down just don't get Mm -hmm. caught up in the bullshit i mean that's the drama interpersonal drama in any organization or any Company, church—that's uh, a skill for club. life. It's, it applies yeah, to everything. this applies to everything exactly, exactly. Because a lot of people talk about drama in any group, right? In magical orders, well, or dude, um, you're a musician, companies. right? is. yeah, in bands. Come on, exactly. Every <laughs> every single famous band. What's funny is like every single famous band has like drama, right? Pretty much that we know about. Do you, kn- it's public. Do you know?
1: Do you know the uh, the the quote by uh, Pseudo, uh, 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 what's his name, Hunter? hunter s thompson i call him i call the quote su- pseudo hunter s thompson because he didn't actually say it it's just attributed do you, do you know the famous quote about music
0: music what is it uh-huh. music uh,
1: the music business is a long a shallow money trench a long plastic hallway a cool long plastic hallway where mm-hmm. pimps and thieves roam free and good men die by the dozen it also it, no no we're anyway, pimps and free th- thieves roam free at all and die by the dozen it also has a negative side mm.
0: oh <laughs> i thought that was actually i've heard that quote before i thought that was actually uh hunter s thompson but uh... yeah
1: so he never actually said that it's an amazing it's in my it's going to be in my new book which is on music journalism believe it mm. or not yeah i'm i got a book coming out on um a canadian band called the tea party uh uh, look cuz their first album was called Splendor Soulless mm-hmm. so i'm right i've written I, well, I i actually wrote it in 2014 but uh, mm. we're it's we're still waiting for the it's going to be an actual like published book by the, the you know the music people and the lead singer still has to write the forward he's an oto guy he's living in uh, australia now and oh, uh, cool. was a was a student of mine for a minute back in 20 years ago and the, uh, he, he called his they called the tea party called their first album splendor solace after the alchemical manuscript and that's how i got into them and then their second oh, book cool. has all the symbol the album has all the symbolism from the keys of solomon and is all their music is very magical and they opened their first tour opening for page and plant's unleaded album and so the singer learned oh, the middle awesome. pillar, and he went out to open for Page and Plant before every show on tour in 1994. Mm-hmm. And when he was like 23 years old, at, he started every opening set after doing a middle pillar with Jimmy Page backstage.
0: Yeah, that's that's a pretty uh, that's interesting since uh, Page had the uh, he bought Crowley's house, right? The Bullskin, what's the name of it? The one in England, Bullskin, yeah. or something like that. And he yeah, had a, yeah, yeah. Uh-huh.
1: And that yeah, that's actually under threat right now. They're thinking of developing it and and, and tearing it down or da- since it's damaged, right? That's a big deal. Mm-hmm. They're also talking about like fucking up Stonehenge right now and putting a freeway underneath it. Jeez, so like man. they're unbelievable. They're, there's this, like, I don't want to get conspiracy on you, but like there's some yeah. there's some weird ass attacks on the spiritual sanctuaries of our planet that we should all be aware of. So YouTube, mm, I know you're listening. Sure. Like, seriously, share some. Posts, do something do something do something mm. like seriously if we don't fight for this stuff mm-hmm. there won't even be a stonehenge version of gobekli
0: tepi for the future centuries yeah it's depressing for sure good to just get the awareness out there that way people you know can d- actually do something about it since a lot of people don't know that these things are threatened or under attack so to speak so
1: yeah yeah exactly mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. yeah, so I have a book coming out on on the Tea Party song lyrics and meaning in their album Splendor Solus compared and contrasted with the manuscript of the Splendor Solus. And I was in Berlin studying the manuscript and, and taking notes on the stuff you can't see. And the facsimiles produced by uh, Dr. Stephen Skinner and Dr. Uh, Jocelyn Godwin that is oh, published. Awesome. Um, so yeah, I, it was really cool. I love doing archival work. I spent a mm-hmm. long time of my academic career working in the archives in the Belfast Public Archive, uh, helping a a blind PhD fellow um, read 17th and 18th century publican uh, logs, like meeting logs, and studying the shabines, the secret Hmm. drinking houses that were around in Ireland during uh, somewhat prohibition times. And anyway, I love archives. Uh, uh, Reading, reading old old orthography
0: is is a challenge but worthwhile. It's a treat. Definitely sounds interesting. I'll uh, definitely have to check out your book uh, once it comes out. I got to read, I, I read your uh, I got to read the other ones you're sending me to first. So I got uh, I I a ways to go anyways. So. I have
1: 10 published another 40 e-books or e-manuscripts, as I call them. And then I have 13 unpublished novels. I used to be a ghostwriter. So I wrote a lot of novels and have a lot of cast offs. I, I write nice. nonstop. I, um, I'm, a, I'm, I'm what you might call a writer
0: which you might call it (laughs) perhaps well also from
1: 2005 to 2018 i put out Mm -hmm. well 2005 to 2012 i put out over a dozen albums full-length lps oh nice
0: nice and those are available uh, online now itunes spotify
1: um i took a lot of them off because they stopped paying me like okay up until 2009 i would get a thousand bucks a month from itunes and mm. since 2009, I haven't gotten a penny from iTunes, Spotify, or any other company out there. In fact, I get a bill every year for $1.50 for distribution. And I'm like, where's my money? Like, I sound like Cardi B. Where's my <laughs> money, bitch? Where's my money? Like, seriously, like they don't have to pay independent artists anymore, and therefore they don't. So I've missed out on what my lawyer says is about $120,000 in royalties, and there's nothing I can ever do about it at all. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah. Dude, they're I mean, fucking musicians up the ass and they don't. Yeah,
0: these streaming platforms are getting away with murder, really. Like, you
1: know? I don't understand why they don't have to pay us.
0: Mm,
1: it's ridiculous. And I've done everything you can possibly do. The only thing that my last representation said was "We can." a publisher I worked with was like, I can get your stuff off of them. I'm like, then my friends can't listen to it anymore. Right. Like, <laughs> right.
0: Like, so, so you like, do you want your music not to be available at all or be yeah. available and you get no money? Like, <laughs> no one listens the, to yeah. anything on Bandcamp.
1: Right. Like, come on. Right. I mean, they might download something here and there, but they don't listen to anything. Everyone listens to iTunes. I just got a bill from iTunes today for 15 bucks. I'm like, shit, I wanted to switch to Spotify. Oh, well, too late. Mm. And uh, but, you know, none of that money goes. Through. I got an email from Spotify the other day saying you had 14000 listeners listen to over 10 hours each of your oh. music the other day. And I was like, where's my money, bitch? I want yeah. that WAP. I want that WAP money.
0: That's too bad. But new music that you put out, you can um, you're, the newer stuff that you're going to put out. You can you can uh, capitalize on that. Right. You, you get paid what? For that because you can make a different account. And then.
1: No, um, I won't get paid for it if I put it on iTunes or Spotify.
0: Mm, okay you have to release it on your own i have to
1: release it in vinyl and then sell Uh it with a vinyl record player to a bunch of gen z who think vinyl's the shit you know
0: um actually i am very lucky that i did
1: (laughs) you're a musician so you understand this i Mm -hmm. over the last 15 years i have actually reserved all of the best songs i've written and didn't release them so i currently have 12 songs that are the best songs i've ever written And I've written Mm. singles and I've released singles before that got me opening gigs at the Olympics opening for great big C and Alan Doyle Mm. or playing with him, or I've opened for mothers of invention and stuff like that. I've done some mid, I've done some awesome mid-level shit, you know, the two to five, two to $10,000 sort of gigs, but I've never, Mm. I've never put out the album, you know what I mean? The Mm. album. And, uh, and so I have, but I did put aside my best songs, So I have 12 best songs and, fortunately i'm glad i did that because i will actually put that album together and i'm hoping for a a grant from someone to do that but we'll see i'll do it either way but now i actually have access to the best possible magicians to do it with because i Mm -hmm. waited so long to the point where they're like yeah hey we'll work with you on anything you do whereas 10 years Mm -hmm. ago they were like oh you're still trying to play music good for you yeah good for you Mm -hmm. yeah now now Uh -uh. my my guitarist the the guitarist i work with now is is a friend Mm -hmm. for 20 years but Only in the last three years would he actually work with me. And he's Gunter Schultz from KMFDM.
0: Oh, awesome. Awesome. I look forward to checking out your music for sure. Um, uh, I wouldn't check it out. I wouldn't. No one should listen <laughs> to my music.
1: Don't don't listen to my music. I mean, if you have Stick to, you have it. to. I mean, I, I did a lot of cool stuff with bagpipes and, Il- and, and Celtic flute and lutes and other stuff. Oh, I like actually that. saw that
0: uh, the link you sent me. That was awesome. I really enjoyed that. And then you singing in Gaelic, and yeah, it was awesome. I really, really enjoyed that music. Well, thank you. I'll, uh, I'll, sure. uh, I'll actually link it. I'll link it later on. So I uh, well, actually that... listened. To, I listened. Oh, that's right. I listened to the link that you sent me with my guitar player in my band and we're both like man this shit's awesome we both really enjoyed
1: it i'm coming to korea to jam and do a show with you that's what's happening
0: oh hell yeah that'll happen uh you know once these restrictions get lifted someday possibly in some hypothetical future (laughs) so i told you
1: right before i i was i was transing i was in i had a a layover in in seoul korea Mm -hmm. in 2008 in january and mm. uh, I was coming back from a trip. I was getting surgery in Thailand because Canada mm-hmm. wouldn't do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: <laughs> oh, geez. Canada actually a, wanted $32,000 for the surgery. And so oh, I went wow. to Thailand and had it done for $2,500. And yeah. my doctors here said, we're not capable of doing that kind of quality of work because we're too busy. Oh, geez. And I was you like, know, Thailand
0: Thailand has a lot of medical tourism and it's dude, very affordable, yeah. very yeah. accessible. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mm-hmm. saved. I
1: couldn't afford it in Canada. Like mm-hmm. they wanted 32 grand, and I found someone who was willing to do it for 16 grand. And I was like, this is bullshit. This is fucking yeah. bullshit. And I just got yeah. a $5,000 bill from BC Healthcare, from mm-hmm. Canadian Healthcare, and I haven't used the healthcare here in fucking a decade. And they're still That's billing ridiculous. me. So it's not free. It's not good. Don't be like us, America. America, <laughs> don't be like us. Your system is better <laughs> than ours. I'm sorry though you guys should get broken arms and cancer treated for free. That's a fact. Like, come on.
3: Yeah. No one should go
1: bankrupt from medical needs, but, but, Mm -hmm. but all of North America's fucked when it comes to medical care. It's, it's just a, it's fucking embarrassing.
0: That's one good thing about living here in uh, Asia. Like all the medical problems I've had, it's almost, you pay almost nothing. I've had to get MRIs done. So I was telling my mom actually works at a hospital in California and she's like, "Oh, if you needed that MRI and that CT scan, you would be on the list. It would take two weeks to like, get it. You, like it would be rand, half even, million. yeah, even with insurance, it's like you're paying fifteen hundred out of pocket or a thousand out of pocket. I paid like a hundred dollars, two hundred dollars, or something yeah. for each one, and it, it was literally." Six to seven times cheaper than doing it in America, and guess what? I just did it in a walk-in. I did it the yeah. same day. I mean, yeah, man. And my and I told my mom. My mom didn't even believe me. She was like, "No, you did. no, you didn't." I was like, "Yeah, I literally just walked in." She's like, "Nah, that would never happen. That's impossible." Ooh. Like, it's almost like hard to believe. Like, <laughs> she thought I was lying or something. I'm like, "No, I'm serious. <laughs> it's not America. You're like, Korea, it. bitch." Yeah, I'm sure exactly. you didn't call her a bitch. Oh, definitely not. <laughs> but. Yeah. uh... Yeah, yeah. Korea is definitely an interesting place. You have to come check it out sometime. So I d- had I a layover.
1: I did check it out. I had a layover January mm-hmm. 2008, and I got to see the big gate before it burned
0: down. Oh, yeah. Some drunk guy uh, yeah, uh, burned it down, but they reconstructed it. But you saw the original. So that's Yeah. Cool. That's yeah. Cool.
1: I, I ran out of the airport. I was like, I'm going to come into. So I went through customs mm-hmm. and I had been coming from Thailand. So I was wearing like a Hawaiian t-shirt and flip flops and shorts. And I had a mandolin Mm -hmm. strung Mm -hmm. with a drawstring over my shoulder. And they're like, you're going like this. I'm like, yeah, yeah. I have six hours. Don't worry. Hour long (laughs) bus ride into town. Hour long bus ride back. That gives me four hours to see Seoul. Uh Now I, I walked out the front doors after, and I was, and it was a blizzard because it's January because for some reason I dumbassedly thought that, Uh that it would be sunny and warm. Like it was, where I came from and Mm -hmm. but I ran around Seoul I I went into a Dunkin Donuts I went into a corner store bought a bottle of little hand a a little nagging of Jaeger and I (laughs) bought a little disposable camera and just went around taking selfies with people with this disposable camera in front of everything I could and everyone thought Mm -hmm. it was adorable you know like because they didn't speak English no one spoke English I was Mm. asking for directions to somewhere and one guy in a business suit walked on was like yo I speak some English and I'm like, oh, wow, no one seems to understand me. I'm like, I felt really white. It was a, sure. I was like, oh, I've never felt so bright. And right. these people do not speak the language. And it was very right. cool. And I was like, I have to come back to this place for sure. So
0: See, that's that's what's cool is when you go to a country where it's just totally different than your own home it it actually feels like you're really traveling when the language is totally different the culture is totally different because i love europe i mean i've been to europe many times and i really love it there but in many ways it doesn't feel that much different you know it's compared to the west coast or something but then when you come to a totally different uh culture and language and the the, uh, architecture and it, it just really feels like you're in a whole different world and that's a you know that it's more it's a deeper experience of traveling even thailand's a lot different because you are in asia there is a lot more english there just because there's a lot of tourists but um even going to thailand it's completely different but the fact that there are so many tourists there and there's like english on everything so it is like you're traveling but you do have a little bit of the comforts of home but when you go to a country where it's just totally not even there's less reference points right like it's just like you're thrown into a completely different reality and so I like going to countries where it's just completely, like I went to, the last place I went to was Turkey. Um, oh, no way. Yeah, yeah. And Dude, I was surprised. Like? I was surprised because, I mean, Korea, the English, it, it depends on the area that you're in. Like if you're in certain areas, the English is pretty good. You're in other areas, like there's no English. And so, um, you know, Korea is its own thing. But in Turkey, I felt like no one could speak English. Like, like in Korea, if you, you've talked to people on the street, you're going to run into some people that speak English. Whereas um, in Turkey, it was very rare to meet anyone except for like maybe some shop attendants who need to know it for business or whatever. But yeah, it was completely unique. It was definitely a cool country. I'd recommend checking out because it uh, I I like I honestly like the places where they don't speak English just because it feels it feels less accessible. You know, the places like if everyone speaks English, I feel like the bar is low because anybody can go there. It's convenient, you know. And uh, when you go to a place where like very little English, completely different culture, you know, Turkey, had the Ottoman Empire. So it's very interesting to me is everyone looks. They're all Turkish people, but they look so different because you have, you know, Hungarian-looking people and Romanian-looking people and Arabic-looking people because those people were all integrated, you know, all those countries and surrounding. Yeah, I fell in love with the Turkish girl a, once. Yeah, yeah, they're beautiful too, definitely.
1: And the food, oh man, the food is incredible. I I thought it was going to work out until eventually one day she showed up. She's like, "I Mm -hmm. told my family about you. Goodbye. Here's a letter." Yeah, you're done. (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah, yeah, over, son. Well, yeah, they do have that conservative Muslim culture as well too. But uh, yeah, even the liberal,
3: mm -hmm. liberal
1: I was in love with, she was like, "You look. The problem is you're white." You know.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's, you're not gonna make the cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and they say, Oops. and they, say, and they say that we're we're
1: white cis males and we're anti anti whatever. But the problem isn't us. The problem is the families of these other people. Oh, for sure, for sure. So it's not, Definitely. it's not. So hey, I want to know a little bit about you because I've been very excited mm-hmm. to talk to you. What, mm-hmm.
0: uh, what, what brought you to Korea? Um. Well, I majored in East Asian studies, and so I studied like Japan, Korea, China a little bit of Southeast Asia, always been interested in like Buddhism and uh, wow. Eastern practices, yoga and things along these lines. And then I did a study abroad here for a year and I really enjoyed it. Got to travel around other Asian countries. And then I came back and uh, started teaching English. And then I started moved on to other work. Like, uh, tr- like now I'm, now I do like translation. I do some teaching and I do other, like I have a lot of like part-time gigs. I do like, uh, for education companies and doing different recordings um, audio recordings and things like this. So um, yeah, I mean, I just really like it here. It's very safe, very clean. You have the ancient culture, you have a very old culture, but at the same time, it's very modern. It's a very nice juxtaposition between, you know, you can go down one street, like down the street from my house, there's a Buddhist temple that's like a thousand years old. Right. But then literally right next to that, you have Samsung electronics, like, (laughs) So it's like you're looking at modern, completely modern, you know, the number one, the biggest electronics company in the world, then you're looking at completely ancient temple. It's, it's so cool in a way, right? But uh, yeah, and you know, the healthcare is good here. And um, one thing I, I love traveling and one thing, good thing about being here prior to COVID was that I can fly to Japan in an hour. I can fly to China in an hour. I can fly I to Thailand in a few hours. Right. Yeah, I, could, I would just, you know, sometimes on the weekend, I'd be like, oh, there's a flight to wherever, Bali. Okay, maybe I'll just go check that out. You know, it's so accessible. Whereas in the States, you're like, oh, you go to Canada, it's kind of the same in many ways. Yeah, you go, uh, yeah, you, that's you go why to, I like you Europe.
1: Know.
0: Yeah, that's why Europe's cool because each country is completely
1: different. I, I was like, spending like, a lot, I spent a lot of time the other year in, in Berlin and in Leipzig, uh-huh. and I would take just, a, I would get on a bus for 15 mm-hmm. bucks, and mm-hmm. three hours later, which, in European standards, three hours is like—that's like half your life, right? But in North mm-hmm. America, if you're from North America, a three-hour drive is like nothing. That's not even exactly. time to read a book, right? right. That's exactly. nothing. That's barely time to tune into a bit of Gossip Girl or whatever the fuck you watch. Um, yeah. And so, so I would take a three-hour bus ride to Prague to do mm-hmm. stuff at John D. and Edward Kelly's Tower. And I know oh. we wanted to talk about
0: that okay so we're talking about golden dawn a little bit ago but uh so you became the chief of the golden dawn of a golden dawn order in canada right yeah so hermetic order how old were you when you became the chief of the golden dawn in canada yeah i know that's fun to talk about right it was, um, it was something uh 20 something really... 22 21 20 that's, you know that's pretty well. So at the, at that point, at the age of twenty twenty one, you had already been through all of the um, the grades. Yes, I, I went I completed the grade
1: system into the second order, and mm-hmm. so the traditional Golden Dawn ends at five equals six. There's no initiations after five equals six. The mm-hmm. only six equals five and seven equals four initiations developed later with the Stella Matutina, Dr. Robert Falcon and his wife. And, and that's what Yates and them went with when, uh, when there was the schism in 1900 with Mathers and Moyna, and mm-hmm. they developed higher initiations. But up until that point, the golden dawn, once you were five equals six, everyone was sort of equal and grades above that were sort of symbolic and just, um, you know, what you call it. They, uh, so in, in that sense, our order was a traditional order. Once you mm-hmm. had gotten into the second order, the inner order
0: pardon me so so the second order is you said that's not actually the golden dawn it's called it's not. something else it's mm-hmm. not
1: the the inner order is not the golden dawn so like even mm-hmm. once you're in the inner order mm-hmm. you're not actually a member of the golden dawn anymore and that's something What's... that has been a, a subject of major confusion over the years people are like okay. oh well you're in the golden dawn it's like no i i i i graduated baby fuck I've, so, you know, so this is you, where I'm
0: kind of confused. I'm still confused about it. So is people it, are. Right?
1: it's not it's
0: not published. This is not published information. Interesting. So the second order. So you graduate the Golden Dawn, so to speak. Right. And then uh, if you're in the inner order, which has a different name, you had mentioned it earlier, right? Rosea
1: rubea at Aurea Crucis. The rose, the 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 red ro- the, the ruby rose and the gold cross is the RR at AC. And that is a separate mm-hmm. order. It runs the Golden Dawn, but it is not mm. part of the Golden Dawn. The Golden okay. Dawn is, is a collegium for magical mm. training. The Inner okay. Order is a lifelong fraternity of Rosicrucian adepts. Got it. I can't okay. believe I'm
0: saying this in public. Okay. I got it. I got it. And uh, that's where you do more extracurricular, like working with uh, perhaps like st- ma- making your own uh, magical practices? or No. Um, that's where in the
1: traditional order you studied the real material that's where you learn things like the banishing ritual the hexagram the supreme rituals of the pentagram Uh scrying path working everything that's where everything actually started and in the original order that's why they they, people think crowley got through so fast is because Uh in those days there wasn't much to it Mm-hmm. And it was only with the evolution of those orders since 1900 and the schism in the mm-hmm. Alpha et Omega and the Stella Matutina, which are both Golden on the, the two offshoots from 1900. Mm-hmm. They, and they never went away. I don't know why people today think they went away. They never went away. One, the Stella Matutina continued in New Zealand through Dr. Robert Falcon. Now, Dr. Okay. Dr. Robert Falcon met up with Rudolf Steiner for a moment. And oh, working... that's,
0: where, that's where the connection comes. Between yeah, and... And, and
1: Steiner traded the etheric links, the magical connection that he had with Mylander and the Rosicrucian tradition, whether he was the reincarnation of Christian Rosenkreuz or not. And mm-hmm. so okay. Falcon and Steiner crossed paths and traded those things. We don't know how much they traded, but two famous adepts meeting you can, you can bet they were probably as open as you and I are being, right? We're just sharing sure. what, who we are and what we know and in the love and light of, of all that is good in the universe. Like that's, that's all human beings can do in this world, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Mm-hmm. Like just like you can't take it with you. Exactly, exactly. Interesting,
0: so yeah, that's where that connection comes.
1: It's mm. a fascinating crossover that happened there. And they they went to New Zealand, created the Fade Ra temple, or where, where Ra as people often mispronounce it, the Fade Ra. And that mm-hmm. created Pat that created Pat, Zalewski, Pat Zaleski, Pat Nick mm-hmm. Farrell, and a few others through Jack Taylor. And they were very Christianized. The Stella Matutina was the Christian offshoot of the out of the schism. And Alpha and Omega was the slightly more Moyna Mathers controlled Egyptian offshoot and uh, you know Dion Fortune and all the rest paganism okay. mm-hmm.
0: and yeah. then your your temple of Tahuti, uh that was a offspring of that that lineage?
1: no 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 Tahuti and the entire hermetic order the golden dawn international that i joined in 1996 had mm-hmm. no connection with those orders whatsoever most of the okay. golden dawn orders today have no connection with the actual lineage israel regarding okay. has mm-hmm. liminal connection he was a the secretary of Alistair Crowley. He wrote Mm -hmm. the tree of life. And when he published it, he got condemned by the offshoot order of one and invited to join by the other. So he was initiated into the Thoth Hermes temple in Bristol is my understanding. And even Mm -hmm. though he was initiated, he was never trained in any of their practices. So he Mm -hmm. didn't actually understand what he was writing about. He just transmitted that knowledge. Now I'm not the expert on that. And Mm -hmm. uh chick Cicero San a Tabby Cicero, who I finally got to meet. Like, there's a great photo of us at Panthea con in San Jose just last year of mm-hmm. me hanging out. I was having cocktails with Chick Cicero, Tabby Cicero, and Lon Milo Dequette. It's like mm-hmm. baby, That's that cool. was that was the moment. People kept sticking their heads in the room and seeing, like, are those four people actually talking? It's like, yeah, motherfucker, <laughs> we're all talking. Suck it. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah, You don't have to. That was uh, definitely a
1: a lifelong highlight for me. But none of us, none of us have the kind of, uh, if you want to talk about lineage, if you think lineage actually means anything, which it doesn't, Mm -hmm. then you're talking about the Fade Ra group through New Zealand, Nick Farrell, Pat Zaleski. That's Mm -hmm. what you're talking about. But it did survive. And were there teachers through the American temples that survived and kept passing on their knowledge? You betcha. But a lot mm-hmm. of the orders that exist today are reconstructionist orders, and our order was such a one. The reason the mm-hmm. Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn International uh, mm-hmm. became so big was because they lowered the bar for admission and they just mm-hmm. started doing astral initiations, which were highly uh... despised by the broader occult community as being invalid. But here's the thing: mm-hmm. to, to to deny astral initiation seems to me, and mm-hmm. and don't, don't, I mean. I don't know shit like don't 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 take my word for it but like mm-hmm. I have diary entries from my first two initiations which were astral but there was never any option to not go through them physically you had to go through the physical initiations that was absolutely sure, then, mandatory I've never heard of anyone say you can be mm-hmm. astrally initiated and that's all that matters Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. that almost sounds like some Alois Mylander, Rudolf Steiner shit. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. So you want to talk about like wishy-washy new age shit? Let's talk Rudolf Steiner, Alois Mylander, or let's talk about the fact that all the guys who started the Golden Dawn and claimed these adeptus exemptus titles, none of them ever went through the initiations they created. Uh, uh, Moyna Mathers was the first one to go through the initiations. And they were mm-hmm. done by people who had their authority claimed through the Cypher
0: manuscripts or something. Like, no, no, through
1: through their Societis Rosicruciana in Anglia and their mm-hmm. Freemasonic okay. ordinations. Those sure. were the spiritual authorities that gave them that power to create this new system. And you see that with mm-hmm. Golden Dawn Orders. today. There's very, very, very good Golden Dawn Orders today. Mm hmm that are run by chief adepts who have never gone through their own initiations.
0: That's interesting. <laughs> right? But yeah, it is. That's interesting. It is. But are well, were you, they well, were they
1: were they also top level freemasons who have gone through both rites and through mm-hmm. all the OTO grades? Yes, they mm-hmm. are. So it sure. really so they does have a, make there's an, they if have if a you, background. Like, yeah. if we if we do a follow up on your podcast to this mm-hmm. like a year from now or whatever what mm-hmm. would be an interesting subject to talk with you about if we both did a bit of research is what sure. is initiation?
0: What is it? Really? Sure. Sure. That's a whole podcast in itself. Self-initiation. And initiation, honestly, temple, I'm not qualified. Mm-hmm. I'm not qualified to answer it. I have
1: my, di- I have my diaries and my journals, though all the initiations I went through were all physical. Um, mm-hmm. I did to go through the first two astrally and I have diary entries from the nineties on what I experienced both mm-hmm. times there was false starts. Cause I thought they were happening days that they didn't happen. So I have very interesting accounts of where I thought I was going through something, but I didn't experiencing, experience mm-hmm. anything. And then when I did know I was going through some, I didn't know I was going through something and I did experience something. So that speaks mm-hmm. to the efficacy of astral initiation, but let's sure. face it. Bottom line. And I'm looking at, excuse me I have I have gastroesophageal disease which causes me to have problems mm. it's all good yeah breathing if I if I go it's going to be in my uh my sleep like uh you know like uh John Bonham. suddenly
0: <laughs> you, you read
1: my mind motherfucker you read my mind. yeah uh, no like like no that I mean I'm five years past past my expiry date according to the the surgeons who uh in our epic Canadian healthcare system, who know their shit and are really on it, not mm. hey, we're all living um, on uh, we're broad. all living on borrowed time,
0: huh?
1: <laughs> well, you know, it's it's the the Rothschilds and the aliens are just genetically engineering us through the COVID vaccine to uh, become vessels for their multi-dimensional reptilian spirits and for Amazon. <laughs> hey, Amazon's nothing, man. Elon That's Musk just crush jeff bezos from what i from what i read in the uh, non-mainstream media um i don't know i don't know about any of that stuff it's fascinating yeah. though i did do a deep dive into QAnon last year for f- oh, like 40 geez. 40 50 <laughs> hours i went i went at it like an <laughs> academic so many rabbit holes you can go dude, to oh i know for sure dude it's, it's amazing you, and it is, it is, the it only is. thing i got out of it really was like uh-huh. my fiction is boring compared to this shit
0: oh yeah for sure for sure
1: yeah I've written some amazing fiction, in my opinion, but I don't have anything on QAnon. At the same time, at the same time, PizzaGate. Oh
0: yeah, probably, probably, probably real. It's probably real. It's probably real. Yeah, you never know. I always keep a a skeptical. I I always keep a skeptical mindset about everything. That way, you know, because you have people who are conspiracy theorists who think that that's the gospel. Everything in the conspiracy is true, and then you have the total opposite in where you have people who believe in the whatever CNN says or mainstream narratives. I always think that I always feel like the answer is somewhere in between, right? Like elements of each. Have I've, some... I've
1: been listening a lot more to Michael Malice and I think he's got a mm-hmm. good head on his shoulders. Honestly, I can't yeah. really understand. Like he says, oh, some very, he says some very challenging things like, mm-hmm. like I, he he's challenging, but that's why I pay attention. Like, I don't sure, pay attention sure. to people who say shit I agree with. I pay attention to, to people who say shit I don't agree with. And then I go, wait, what?
0: Exactly. It challenges your uh, perspective, for sure. and makes you think in a different way. That's one well, thing. It's like, uh, do you I, play I, with
1: I... musicians who are worse than you, as good as you, or better
0: than you? Exactly. 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 If you want like... to learn anything. Yeah, exactly. It's uh, I mentioned my grandfather, who was a uh, mason. What he would do, which is very interesting, and this is, I guess, how I, in a way, I guess how I learned my own perspective or way of tackling these things, is for, for like politics or any sort of view about anything, he, say it's a liberal and a conservative, right? Yeah. So he would go to the liberal and then try to, he would basically present you know devil's advocate try to get there try to understand why they think what they think right and then he would go to the conservative and do that or sometimes what he would do is just agree with everything they say and try to get to the root oh but why do you really think that right so he would he would basically play both sides that way he himself can get a full picture rather than what most people do right where it's like why the fuck do you believe no that's not right we need to change the country you know where they become very um What's the term for that? Very combative, very adversarial, and they're not even listening to the other person because they're already stuck in their own views. He would do the complete opposite, which was like you validate them and then get them to explain why they think what they think without ever being without ever being adversarial, right? And then he would do the same thing. Yeah, then he would do the same thing on the opposite side, right? And then he would do that with Christians and Catholics. Why do they have that? And so he would really. So at the end of the day, he had a full puzzle that he you know to full sides of each side
1: it sounds like you come together. from a, a line of uh, smart intelligent people
0: uh <laughs> i hope so <laughs> maybe maybe it didn't uh didn't pass down down to me but you know i try i try to do my best right but, I'll, res- uh, I'll
1: reserve my numerous questions springing to mind to when i interview you oh for sure for sure we got to do that we got to mm-hmm. set that up for next week eh?
0: Oh, yeah, I'm down with that. I'm yeah. definitely down with that. Yeah. So you went through, uh, to go back to the Golden Dawn, you went through all the initiations. You also were the chief. Loved them. Um, yeah, you were the so, chief. Yeah. That's, that's it very was, interesting. It At is, a young it's, age. It's too, crazy. Huh?
1: It's, it's so stupid. Like, it's so stupid that that happened to me. But it was because mm. all the senior adepts above me kept uh, leaving because of various problems with the leader of the order, uh, Robert Zink, my godfather. Um, Mm. and, uh, you know, he, he did some fucked up shit and, uh, he was trying to stop certain adepts from getting married and marrying other people. And he was extorting, uh, some, a lot of outer order members, uh, for money, for classes and education. He never gave them. He was doing a lot of mess and like in the, like, so temple duty was closed by me. Um, I Mm -hmm. closed it Mm -hmm. because of various reasons. I've covered that already. It's been, I've well covered that. Um, you can check out the Esoterra Nerd podcast, episode 95 with Variana Fratter BT, who's Edward Reeb. I've interviewed him. He interviewed me when he drew me out of the closet and he's, he's said everything that needs to be said about all of that because he stayed with them after 2004 up until just five years ago or eight years ago or so. And like you know the, the chief did some fucked up shit. like he put he went to a major international event. Mm-hmm. And mixed his semen into the Eucharistic Osirian Eucharistic cup so that
0: all the members drank it. Oh geez, yeah. It's that weird. happened. Right. Some weird crap, huh? <laughs> you know, geez, yeah.
1: and so cool. so he like I like I've mm-hmm. forgiven him, but I won't forget. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah, that makes but sense. The people who mm-hmm. who stuck with him and stayed with that order, mm-hmm. uh you know they demonized me and, and a lot of my friends when when temple tahudi and there was a schism between canada and the and and america because it was mm-hmm. the bush administration and they were doing a lot of like political magic even black magic that was not cool but the mm-hmm. real problem the real problem was um, there was people at our temple that were just trying to grasp for power and i was too young to handle that i was too mm-hmm. young to be wise enough to handle that because I had gotten military promotions essentially to being the person running the show. And Mm. there was a lot of adults, let's say I was 20 something and they were in their forties or fifties who were like, we don't want to have to do daily rituals anymore. We don't want to have to study the material. We we're honored. Philosophize we're honored members. We shouldn't have to." So there's this, there's this trend in magicians. Mm-hmm. of once i get to a certain stage i don't have to do the work anymore and it's like what are you talking about this is all right. preliminary like what are you talking about like this is like nothing. You, you like
0: you're cut yeah. from a different cloth you you're you above, you've, you're so above you you're above the uh you're above the system and whatnot yeah the
1: idea that because yeah. you've been through the the ring of roll of magical training and because you've had this amazing education that has forced mm-hmm. you to really develop. The idea that that is the end point is absurd. It's absurd. Like yeah, it's ridiculous. Watch Midnight Gospel. Go watch
0: Duncan Trus- Trussell's Midnight Oh, Gospel. that's my favorite uh, show on that. Fuck yeah, it's the best show. I love and I love on, Duncan Trussell
1: too. His, dude, his podcast the is great too. He's yeah, the one who went on Joe Rogan and told Joe mm-hmm. Rogan about the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn. He's like, you know, oh and- yeah hermetic order the golden dawn it was a magician they were doing and joe rogan mm-hmm. i loved that when i was i was watching it live and i was like what the fuck just happened <laughs> did, <laughs> did, did the biggest media platform in the world jre podcast oh yeah oh, just yeah. have the name of the golden dawn mentioned on it. it's like yes it did and rogan mm-hmm. just tuned out he tuned out because of course this is not his cup of tea it's not a well, cup yeah, sure.
0: of tea, like and it sure. shouldn't be his cup of tea. We don't want but, but it he, to be his cup of tea. Yeah, sure, but he does discuss like DMT and spiritual yeah. experiences. Too and DMT is time,
1: great, so. mm-hmm. but it yeah, should be discussed sure. by regular people in a regular framework, and it should mm. be discussed by magicians in a magical framework, you know. Like sure. you know, the idea of Joe Rogan performing the LBRP is just <laughs> <laughs> Right,
0: right. It's pretty comical to think about. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, come oh, yeah. on. Dude, yeah. It's not, this stuff is not for everybody. Oh, for sure. For sure. I think that's an important thing to understand. I mean, that's with any sort of spiritual practice or, you know, there's different paths, there's different um, avenues for everyone, right? Like, I, I think that's one thing that, since you left, that'd be an interesting transition. Since you left the Golden Dawn or you closed the temple and whatnot, now you mentioned yeah. that you're able to, you the aether of texts with uh, Lamailu de and you're meeting with all these other people at uh, um, different uh, esoteric conventions, and you're not really bound by oath anymore. So you're able to sort of expand your practice or expand your um, your network and whatnot, right? How how have things changed? How are your practices? Um, how have things changed since then? Since you know what 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 kind of different um, maybe spiritual practices do you do, or how have things changed since then? Well, 2005,
1: Temple Tehuti was closed in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. And that that was probably, and I don't say this, I don't think I've said this before, but it probably was the largest functioning Golden Dawn Temple in history. Like Mm. 200 members functioning 24-7 in two temples in one building in 3,000 square feet in the worst part of town next to a strip club. (laughs) that's hilarious and and people would be signing in like we had a sign-up sheet outside the two temples doors and one was a massive space and the other one was a small space Mm -hmm. um because the officers before an initiation have to do ritual work and perform god form work and then the higher fan has to be alone in the temple preparing for the initiation creating the invisible god form so we we were like oh we need two temples well we have three thousand square feet great and you know it was there was enough space for like four or five people to live there as monastic magicians and mm-hmm. unlike what some people think it wasn't a sweet deal where we got to live for free and do magic all the time no it was a it was an opportunity to be milked to the bone spend every penny you had on the <laughs> temple and pay for the <laughs> candles and incense for all these ungrateful fucking members who didn't want to pay their dues because we didn't uh... really throw people out for not paying their dues what i used to expel people for was mm-hmm. uh, grabbing a sister or soror's ass in the temple. Like, oh, yeah, okay. you, you think you can grab someone, you think you can sexually assault someone and, and not be expelled? Guess again. So I'm this 20 year old expelling 40, 50 year olds <laughs> who have been That's there for wild. five years. That was wild. Uh, and they would write all uh, these hate mail emails. How, how long
0: was it? How long was it since you, or from the point that you joined the order to you became the chief? were you only in for three years or so was that It was pretty years. short? Oh, seven years. Okay. So you had been there cause you joined so young, you had yeah. already been seven years, but you were only at the age of 20 something, 22, 23.
1: It closed down when I was 23, 24. Um, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that was a lot of, uh, a lot of shit, but the reason the, the Hermetic Order of the Golden Dawn international, or as it was mm-hmm. called in the States due to lawsuits, uh, Homsi Hermetic Court of the morning star, Mm-hmm. Um, it wasn't called that in Canada. And when I joined, it was Golden Dawn International. And it's, it was that always for us. For a while, we had to change the legal name to Hermetico, the Golden Dawn Society. But then, mm-hmm. then my protege forged my signature on government and bank documents to take that over uh, under his name. Um, and drained, oh, wow. uh, drained the bank account Which was actually People, it, people think it was sustained by orders due, Order members dues But it was sustained by my student loans So he robbed <laughs> me He robbed me blind uh, He robbed all the bad. temple stuff He went on to become uh, an Adlerian therapist And is the executive director for the BC Society For Male Survivors of Sexual Abuse And recently if you google him Daniel Klein, unethical sex therapist He's got <laughs> all these complaints against him by women for like sexually abusing them under sex therapy. And I probably shouldn't have said this to you right now, but like, Mm. like my mom said, because I've been doxxed, I've had home invasions. I've been robbed. I've been attacked in every way you can possibly be attacked to quote Mm. my mom. When it comes to what I'm doing these days, Mm -hmm. she said they can't kill us all. And some of these people (laughs) are fucking willing to kill for the sake of magical power and privilege and to keep themselves Mm. out of jail and they have money and power and it's true. So it is a real risk and I probably shouldn't have said all that, but whatever Mm. I'm telling the truth. So like, honestly, I am not afraid to, to say these things because, but here's the thing that really people need to know if they're listening to this and wondering about, Oh God, it sounds so dramatic. So I'm actually like, no, sure.
0: That's not magical stuff. That's human being shit.
1: And you're if talking you haven't about, encountered Yeah,
0: you're talking beings, about groups and, poli- groups and politics and social dynamics. It's not yeah. the actual practices of... No, you know, the no, it's not. Meditation. It's, like not,
1: it's not. It's and, not. And, and anytime you encounter people doing that kind of bullshit, mm-hmm. what you really need to realize is these are people who are not serious about the
0: work. Sure, exactly. Well, it's like uh, a good analogy or a good comparison, perhaps, would be like the teachings of Jesus Christ, right? And then looking at priests who are, you know, fucking children and, you know, it's like, yeah, is that what Jesus is teaching? It's like, oh, Jesus's teachings are horrific. You know, if you look at the uh, behavior of priests or, um, you know, uh, certain pastors. In the gospel of John, in in
1: the Mm -hmm. gospel of John, Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. I came Mm -hmm. to set daughter against mother. Son Mm -hmm. against Father. And that was because, here's the thing that people need to realize. Here's some hermeneutics for you. So the Gospel of John was the last gospel written. And it was written around 100 Common Era A.D. So it was written in a time where the Christian community that created that from probably wall paintings were at odds with the Jewish communities. Now, the earlier gospels, the synoptic gospels of Matthew, Mark, and Luke, were written earlier, again, from wall paintings, because none of the uh, apostles wrote Gospels, unlike what I thought when I first went to seminary. I remember telling my New Testament professor at, after class one day in my first year of, of my Master's of Divinity, but but I said to him, but Dr. Meyer, the, gos- the Gospels were written by the apostles, the four apostles who wrote the Gospels. He said, that's nice. You think that if you want to.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's all the same. (laughs) I was like, uh, like,
1: is that not true? And I learned, no, that's not true. What was written in Jesus' time were the epistles of Paul. And not all the epistles, only the uncontested epistles or so-called genuine epistles. Half Mm. of the epistles we know Paul wrote. We know this linguistically. We know this culturally, hermeneutically. The other half Mm. were written as pseudo-Paul. Just like, you know, we have pseudo Dionysus and because sure. it was a tradition in the ancient Near Eastern world to ascribe writings to this person, like say you and mm. me, say you and me have a jam session and mm-hmm. we read a lot of Alephis Levy, or say we have a real jam session and we mm-hmm. listen to a bunch of Taylor Swift sure, or a perfect circle more likely. Say mm-hmm. you and me listen to a bunch of perfect circle and then we write something that's in three, six or four, uh, four six, three six, four six, mm-hmm. four six. Or so We write something that's in three. Everything's in one, really, if you know music, right? It's all in sure. one, as every sure. drummer I've ever had told me. We listen to a bunch of perfect circle, then we write something that's in three in a mm-hmm. e, my E-flat minor mm-hmm. after listening to perfect circle. That's going to sound a lot like a perfect circle. And that was sure. what in the olden days, they would call pseudo a perfect circle. Mm, so I it's like that. so and they they attribute it to the same attribute and uh, it was well known so so when these pseudo paul letters came out like the like like colossians or Uh these like because because early early saint paul didn't Mm -hmm. say man is the head of the household it said take your servant make him the head of the table take your Mm. slave make him king (laughs) of your manor right right what is what is what is last shall be first and what is first shall be last. That's the original apocalyptic Paul. But then you have Colossians come along in these later epistles and Mm -hmm. it's all of a sudden like, oh shit, the world didn't end. What can we do to maintain order and, and sure quality. And they're like, okay, we need some structure. So the Christ is the head of the church, just as the man is the head of the household that's in Colossians. And that's Mm -hmm. what you get. And so the Gospels were written even after that, when you have these Christian communities that were writing down words based on wall paintings in the catacombs. Oh, wow. Hmm. And like, you know, the old symbol of the Cairo, the big P with the X underneath it? Yes. If you change that slightly, you get the RX, which you see on every drug capsule and every pharmaceutical medication.
0: Hmm, interesting.
1: The RX... Is the Cairo? It literally came from that, which That's is interesting when you think mm. of the, the the prescription against pharmacy in the Hebrew Bible.
0: Mm. wow very interesting. So they've t- they interesting.
1: distorted this Christian symbol into the drug symbol of the pharmaceutical
0: companies. A little fun fact for you, right? And what is it? The American Medical Association is it? They have the uh, Caduceus and stuff. Like, there's a lot of, but it's the kind of- wrong.
1: They actually admit ah. that they they have the wrong caduceus. They have the staff of Moses, the Nehushtan. Ah, that's what ta- it is. The Hebrew word for dragon or serpent is tan, and they have mm-hmm. the Nehushtan, so that mm-hmm. they have the single staff with the serpent round around. They don't actually have the caduceus of Hermes like you see in the Golden Dawn rituals, um,
0: and they they admit that they made a mistake there. Hmm, that's interesting.
1: We always got to admit
0: of, our mistakes, yeah. eh? Oh yeah, for sure, for sure, and. Uh we're always constantly learning and adjusting. And that's one thing. That's one thing I like about spiritual practice is that the way I view it, at least it's like, you're constantly unpeeling new layers and, um, and sometimes you can do things wrong and they'll actually work out. And then later on you can refine things even more. Right. Like, I think, you know, trying to be a perfectionist is not necessarily the right approach because things sort of unfold over time. Right. That's, that's one thing is like people, In a previous podcast, I think you listened to it. Like, I know a lot of people that are trying to get into different practices. And then, especially when it comes to things like more complex practices, like Enochian magic, they'll think that they have to get everything right and then read every single book and have every single thing. And they never actually do it. Like, you really have to do things and learn from it and then adjust over time with anything in life. This could be spiritual practice. This could be business, right? Like, yeah. imagine you you started your podcast, you're like, I'm not going to start my podcast until I have a perfect microphone, and uh, the best computer, and I listen to every single podcast and read every theory about podcasts. You know, that, that stuff will help, but you're really going to learn by actually doing the podcast, and then, you know, getting yeah. the experience and then seeing what needs to be adjusted and learning, basically yeah. learning as you go along and c- continuously reflecting and refining and whatnot, right? So
1: uh Johann wolfgang von goethe who wrote Mm. faust has a great quote about that he's like only start and the fire will build only Mm. do and the fire will go brighter Mm. only continue and and then the fire will consume you like you know this idea you just got to do it or like that that's that's what that was best encapsulated by shia labeouf right just do Mm. it do (laughs) it do it it. yeah (laughs) right right, do it and you, you're on anchor right now. And I started with anchor. Then it, my thing blew up too big to be on anchor. And so I moved to red circle. And, you know, that's, mm-hmm. that's, that's what you got to do. You got to start with the beginning, start with the LBRP, mm-hmm. start with the middle pillar, mm-hmm. learn a uh, path working through the tarot contemplation ritual.
0: And exactly. do your spiritual start, journey. Yeah. Build a foundation, start with some basics and kind of go from there, you know, and I really um, think people should hold off on the the
1: demonic stuff and the Goetia stuff. Like, like, sure. like my mentor taught me when I first stood learning the magic of the vault of the Adepti, which is an amazing place mm-hmm. to stand. If you, like, like, There's nothing like being initiated into five equals six and mm-hmm. standing in the vault of the Adepti learning magic for the first time because it's ho- a wholly different place. You can't even mm-hmm. do banishings or Enochian magic in that place because it's so high vibration. But mm. I said, I looked at the floor of the vault and I said, these are the demons we're standing. And you never touch the floor of the vault with mm-hmm. bare skin. Oh my mm-hmm. God, you'll be fucked. And mm. I, I, I say that as someone who doesn't believe in this stuff really on that level uh, mm-hmm. in a supernatural way. I'm not a supernaturalist. I'm an ecstatic naturalist. Mm-hmm. And, but you don't want to touch those demonic realms with your skin in the vault mm. symbolically even. But he said to Mm. me, the most powerful thing I've ever heard from a magician, a mentor, a master, look up before you look down.
3: Mm, That's pretty good advice. I
1: like that advice. Work with the the 72 demons, work Mm. with the
0: 72 angels of the Shem Mm -hmm. I think that, uh, yeah, 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 for sure. I agree with uh, everything you just said there. I think that, um, since, uh, uh there's a lot of more there's a lot of the a lot of researchers i think we were talking the other day on uh, facebook about this we we're chatting about it that there's emerging between scholarship and practitioners these days right a lot of older source materials are coming out coming out like uh older versions of the heptamarin and um a lot of researchers doing so much work in goetia and things along these lines right That i feel i feel like it's sort of uh, in trend well, dude, or and no you know, no one no
1: one even like, has access No. Yeah. We have all this amazing stuff. I just, I just, I just uh, splurged and uh, Mm -hmm. thanks to all my listeners for supporting my work and allowing me to actually begin the idea of rebuilding my library. Thank you all. And please support my work. Uh, Mm -hmm. I actually just bought the first couple books I have bought in years and I got one of uh, Stephen Skinner's uh, limited handbound 200 copies of his techniques of Solomonic magic for, Mm -hmm. you know, a couple hundred bucks and uh he's having a fire sale on for on it for the last copy so mm. you know i don't remember what my point was on that because it's late and i've already done i've been working i get up at 6 a.m for the planetary hour and i'm, I'm tired but um mm. the the uh my point was what was my point what was my point
0: oh talking about goetia working with goetia yeah. looking up before you look down
1: yeah so there's all these divine spirits that you can work with mm-hmm. and they're much more worth while and safe to work with before you start to, uh, like, do, do you really want to actually just go into your magical circle and mm-hmm. start saying, Do you want to say to God mm-hmm. or your own higher self, mm-hmm. fuck me up, like, fuck me up as much as you can, or do you want to say, Exalt me, show me the best qualities I can pursue, like, make me more than human? Before I start to dig tunnels into the Klopothic realms of my, of the tunnels of set and showing me my demons. Like you want to have, you want to be so filled with light and love that mm-hmm. that stuff that you have a chance of surviving it. Cause I've been brought to suicide by that shit many, many times you you can go into those darker realms and you're barely going to get out by the skin of your teeth. And it's sure. true. It's a real thing. And mm-hmm. You know, I'm glad I spent 15-ish years, 15, 20 years looking mm-hmm. up before I looked down. I looked down a little bit early on, and it got me possessed and in trouble. And I'm very mm-hmm. grateful to the Adepti who helped save me from an early death at 17 years old. But, like, mm-hmm. that was a magical mistake. It was a magical mm-hmm. mistake. And it happens. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the same kind of problems I faced as a... a 11-year-old child of divorce being physically abused and beaten mm-hmm. but it was different There are different kinds of abuse and and even in 2014 I faced an, a whole other kind of challenge with my sister when we tried to speak about what we had been through and felt got reviled by the family and abused and a whole other set of problems arose and those problems still haven't gone away and there's still familial abuse happening with my other little little sister and like crazy like life is fucked up right like all of us oh, know for that. sure life is fucked mm-hmm. up and so this is my message to people considering magic as a as a future for themselves like
3: mm-hmm.
1: if you go into the dark stuff you're gonna create the same macro microcosmic reflection that exists in the macrocosm with those dark forces you're gonna bring up stuff that you can't necessarily deal with and sure, the, sure. there's nothing wrong with dealing with it. There's plenty mm-hmm. of time in your life. Like, sure, life is short and you can't take it with you. But at the same time, life is long. Life is long. Right. And there's plenty of time to get down to that dark infernal shit. Or as we would say in the Golden Dawn, unclean spirits. Because they're not <laughs> really demons. They're not really demons. They're just spirits. Go do a bunch sure. of DMT or mushrooms or psychedelics and you'll discover... Oh, yeah yeah we, ha- we haven't even touched on the main reason we did this podcast which is john d and psychedelics a i love that right,
0: i love right. that we're like three hours <laughs> in and we
1: still haven't actually touched on the, the thing we, yeah well there's nothing better than talking to another fucking person mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. not getting to the reason you were talking to them for two and a half hours there's nothing there's nothing better than that i'm
0: loving this conversation brother i'm oh, loving for it. sure for yeah. sure, for sure. Uh, I think that's uh, that's great advice. So what was the quote? It was uh, "Look up before you look down." Yeah, what and that's that what one?
1: that's <laughs> what Ramses told me. Ramses. Ramses is one. the head of the. He's so the one of the multiple orders that formed out of the Golden Dawn International, which again was the largest order ever in existence because they lowered the bar for admission, mm-hmm. and just admitted everybody at a very nominal, like it was like a couple hundred bucks to join. And then you only Mm -hmm. paid like a hundred bucks every six months. So, and you got tons of help. You got tons of help. Like that's what you want. You want people Mm -hmm. who are there to answer your questions at a beck and call. You want seven day international events where every single initiation is performed every six months or every year. And you can go through all of them as, as you're ready for Mm -hmm. only a hundred, 200 bucks a year. That's what we had. And that's why mm-hmm. thousands of people joined. And that's why it was the biggest order ever. But now it, mm-hmm. it, it did implode years after I was gone in Temple Tehudi in Canada, schismed off. And mm-hmm. we, you know, but it had that strength of numbers. And there's a power in numbers, which is just, oh, for when sure. You, when you, when you, when you, you know, if you sit down to write a song once a month, you're not going to write a lot of good songs. But if you write, sit down to write a song every day, Oh, yeah. Right. Exactly. You build momentum. Right. You start building Dude. momentum. You're
0: going yeah. to be a hit factory within 10 years. Yeah. It's people underestimate momentum for sure. And that's why I think, uh, you know, we're talking a lot about the lower practices and whatnot, but building momentum in the higher arts, right. And theurgy and, you know, establishing for me, it was all about initially starting a meditation practice, just being able to still your mind and being being able to So I think like Crowley's book for Libra Alba, right, where he talks about, you know, just Asana, the basics, Asana, Pranayama, Dharana, Dhyana, these sort of things, right? That way you can just sort of keep yourself still and centered and um, achieve a one point in this, right? That alone has so much value, that alone, right? Uh, I mean, if you don't have the basics, if you don't have the foundation of a house, trying to go off on all these crazy tangents is going to be... It can be very destructive as you were unless
1: saying unless Adonai build your house, your house shall crumble and it shall fall, as we say in the Zelator mm-hmm. one equals ten initiation. Yeah, you need Malkut. Or as yes. Umberto Echo says at the end of Foucault's pendulum, Malkut is always Malkut. It mm. is so beautiful. That's the last lines of Foucault's pendulum. Malkut mm. is always Malkut, and it is so beautiful.
0: That's awesome. For me, uh, we started talking about psychedelics in our Facebook chat. Uh, For me, it was kind of interesting because I got in the opposite way. Like I got really into these sort of practices via psychedelic experiences that I had opening my eyes to different layers of realities and having certain unique experiences to myself. Right. And uh, that sort of opened the door to you know, interest in these areas, right? Whereas for you, you had a totally the opposite, actually. You came in, you had a solid foundation, a solid practice, went through all these orders of the Golden Dawn. Yeah. And then I, intention, it, I intentionally you know, put
1: off psychedelics, entheogens, okay. marijuana, and alcohol till uh-huh. I had, till a year after I had left. I had, well, I didn't leave. That's a misnomer, mm-hmm. but for practical parlance left the golden dawn i, I never did because well first of all i graduated the golden dawn in 99 went into the inner order that's a whole mm-hmm. other can of worms but like mm-hmm. a year later i took my first toke of weed with a my gay irish fruit teacher friend at an apartment above some nightclub and i you know and that was when i started learning to drink and then i was in ireland a year after that on the banks of the evan in galway and did mushrooms with these two american mystics And Mm. I had my eyes open to a whole other world. And because I had the magical training I had, Mm -hmm. I knew what I was experiencing was not fuchba. It was not like, it was not just psychological shit, right? It wasn't just chemistry Mm. in my brain. I knew that because of my psychic and magical training.
0: Mm. So uh, you doing these drugs later on and having these experiences, did that, like for me, that was the gateway in. And for you, that was sort of the extracurricular, I guess you would call it right after you had the- permission. That
1: was the gateway back into back. on another level. Mm,
0: so, okay, so, so when
1: I left mm-hmm. the Golden Dawn, or, mm-hmm. and I didn't, I didn't leave. I graduated and I, you know, blah, 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 blah. But mm-hmm. for me, psychedelics was a re-entry into a next level of practice and training. And that's when I got into chaos magic. That's mm-hmm. when I got into a new level of sort of psychedelic druidry. Because I learned Mm. that mushrooms in Ireland are not mushrooms. They are the gateway into the she. They're Mm. the gateway into the fairy realms, into Churnanog, right? Mm -hmm. So the mushrooms in Irish, in Irish Gaelic, mushrooms are called in in their language, Puka. And do you know what a puka is? No, what's that? A puka is a shape-shifting fairy. Have you heard of them?
0: Uh, No. And they shape-shift.
1: They have the bunny ears or they can change shapes into a horse or whatever animal they want. And the puka mm-hmm. or the puka hat Kapani puka means puka hat is what they call the psychedelic mushrooms. And they grow in the Northern Hills of Donegal. And I've covered some academic essays that say mushrooms and psilocybin didn't exist in the British Isles up until the sixties, which is really fucked up shit to hear from academics. Cause that's just, it's just lies. I it's mean, wrong, if man. you don't think academics and PhDs lie sometimes, <laughs> it's not just that they're always lying. It's that they don't know because they're bound by this, the stringent regulations of the academic system. So it's like sometimes they even know stuff isn't true and they still lie about it. It's fucking crazy. let's get real i'm getting Mm -hmm. real with you bro because you're in korea and it's a world away and i'm pretending like everyone on youtube and instagram or all this shit's not going to hear what i'm saying i always (laughs) i i every day i have to wake up and and make very clear to myself the fact Mm -hmm. that three thousand hours of my voice aren't being listened over the internet i have to i have (laughs) to be very clear about that because it's fucking weird but
0: what i will academia in academia there's definitely a vested interest in them keeping things the way it is right like as far as like that's, psychedelics and stuff that's why we there, call just... them
1: entheogens not psychedelics
0: right exactly exactly and, yeah, and... uh i don't know we, li- we live in a pretty special time though where you know there's a lot of research showing the historical use of these things and now that there's a lot of research going on now a lot more accepted research coming back again and then uh even states like you have oregon and i think colorado that have legalized like uh, mushrooms and um other psychedelics, yeah. right so it's uh it's definitely making a resurgence are you That's
1: are really you up thing. are you up for me for me uh reading you something yeah sure mm-hmm. it might it, it might be uh it, it won't be short
0: okay uh how long do you think it'd be not that you have to okay that'd be good then okay
1: yeah let's say this podcast has another 20 minutes left yeah
0: yeah i would say but so i'm yeah. going
1: to use some of that reading you something and okay. then we're going to talk about my experiences at John D. and Edward Kelly Tower in Prague and my direct experiences with mushrooms and Enochian magic. OK, perfect. That's right. So here's the question, brother. Mm-hmm. Right. Here's the mm-hmm. question. Did mm-hmm. D. and Kelly use drugs for scrying?
0: Um, In my opinion or... From what I've read, there was some sort of powder or some sort of substance that he had, but it's not clear what that is. So that could clearly be, it so, certainly could be, right? Certainly so could So
1: Dee had a variety of magical mirrors and crystals. Mm-hmm. A particular favorite was a flat obsidian stone that is on display in the British Museum, right? Mm-hmm. And his scribe, Edward Kelly, quote, did all his feats upon the devil's looking glass, a stone. Now, mm-hmm. Zachariah Gray, Zachary Gray, commented mm-hmm. in this verse, quote, this Kelly was chief seer to Dr. D and bred an apothecary and was mm-hmm. a good proficient in chemistry and pretended to have the grand elixir or philosopher's stone. He pretended to see apparitions in a crystal or barrel looking glass, a round stone-like crystal. Now, the Sloan Manuscript, 3846, copy of Sefer Ratziel, had been noted for its composition in handwriting similar to that of Dr. D's squire Edward Kelly. In D's own account, his invocations, or actions, as he referred to them, there are a number of references to smoke indicating the possibility of some sort of fumigation, as well as references to the use of potions and ointments. Quote, these actions are the records of visions and angels and other spirits, and the message delivered to them as seen and heard by the scriers, often Edward Kelly, with the aid of a crystal ball and then immediately related to D who though present saw and heard nothing in D's record of these actions, we read how smoke filled the place and an invoked entity states, I smell the spoke proceed seer in your purpose. And these could indicate suffumigation. Other references Mm. indicate some sort of elixir in use that clearly put a person into a drowsy state quote, taste of this potion yea, the savior only of the vessel worketh most extremely against maimed drowsiness of ignorance if the hand be heavy how weight and ponderous shall the whole world be what will ye that's d and peterson mm. in one account john d's actions of the Spirit, there is a lament about the lack of drugs for an operation and the use of (laughs) ointments in their place. Quote, Mm. I have forgotten all my drugs behind me, but since I know that some of you are well stored with sufficient ointments, I do intend to visit you only with their help. You see, all Mm. my boxes are empty. Edward Kelly. He showeth a great bundle of empty poachy apothecary boxes. This brings a response from the figure invoked, from the spirit. The spirit says, the angel that Edward Kelly and Dee were working with says, how cometh it that you pretend to come for a favorable divine power and all your box is empty? The exchange over the lack of drugs also indicates that drugs were not an unusual part of these scrying sessions. As Kelly says, Mm -hmm. he forgot them, forgot them. As if he usually had them, as Kelly had a reputation as a bit of a con man and swindler, one wonders whether the concern about a lack of drugs was the spirits or Kelly's. In this regard, it should also be noted that the angel scribed by Kelly also commanded that he and Dee share not only possessions in common, but also their wives. And these orders were apparently followed for at least one (laughs) twist. Right. So, the wife,
0: wife swapping incident. Yeah. <laughs> now that is um, from, yeah. that
1: is, that is from my, my dear friend, Chris Bennett's book, Lieber 420 cannabis, magical mm-hmm. herbs in the accounts and the occult. But it, it, it is such a clear indication that D and Kelly were using entheogens. So, mm-hmm. uh, so Mike, so Stanwick, who's a, an Anakian teacher I've had through my course, I did a refresher, the master class
0: mm-hmm. with
1: a, uh, Jason Newcomb's uh, masterclass, his masterclasses on Guayia with Ash and Chasan and and Stenwick and Aaron Leach are are excellent. They're excellent mm-hmm. for masters like me, and they're excellent for for survey courses for newbies because honestly, I believe both those masterclasses have everything you need to know about a survey of the occult milieu for the beginner and the master. So everyone should take those courses and you should take those through the links on my, my uh, YouTube and website. But mm-hmm. um, that's, uh, that's neither here nor there. The main mm-hmm. point is clearly they were using entheogens. And I believe from my experiments with, with psilocybin, especially in the last year and DMT or SPICE, mm-hmm. I believe very firmly that the Enochian language that they heard was the sound if you've done a heroic do- pardon me heroic dose have you yes 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 have you heard it have you heard the sounds the language? sure
0: sure, and it is it does sound now you know it now that you little, say it like all... this no it does sound very much like an ocean
1: right language. it's like a <laughs> little more bouncy it's like and then' bounce sure. all bounce yeah and called, right? it's very much right. like that and i never heard it till i heard lon milo deket pronounce in because i learned the golden dawn method which is a mixture of the thelemic method that lon uses and mm-hmm. but what scholarship has revealed that the original golden dawn used both methods uh the strong the strong syllable and the and the full the full pronunciation method so we they use both like they would say Zod, like the letter Zod. Like Oel Sonu, Veor Saji, Goho, Yadabalta, Alexar Pehe, Comananu, Tabitoem, Zoda Kara, Eka, Zoda Meranu, Zoda Kikle, Qua, Piape, Moel, Veoanu. But you can also say, right, Els O Sont, Yad, Balta, Alexar Pe, Comanum, Tabitoem, Zodakara, Eka, Zodaka or zotema right like they both mm-hmm. make sense and the interaction of both of them i think mm-hmm. is powerful do what is powerful because as far as i'm concerned from my time last year at dean kelly's tower interacting with those angels in a very personal manner they mm-hmm. they thought it was hilarious hilarious the way that we think about these things they thought it was um, fucking hysterical they were like you guys are fucking funny and they also said to me, and there's a video of me doing this call of the portal the, that mm-hmm. breaches the, the microcosm to the macrocosm in Kelly's Tower, which you're not normally allowed up in. But the door was open to the stairs oh, wow. leading up to the tower. And I said to the guy, can I go up there? She's like, normally not, but uh, it is open, so I cannot stop you. And I just ran up and I went up <laughs> with my friend, my tour manager. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, I did the call the portal holding up my iPad in, in a circle with the city of Prague through the window, looking glasses all around me. And I started, and I skipped over a word. I, I muddled one word. You can see it on YouTube on my video where I like, and the reason was, cause I got it. Like, it was like someone thumped me with their fist on the back of my head. And it was this angel whose name I've recorded and spoken of. And it was one of these Enochian angels. And he said, you don't need to do that here. We're all here. And wow. for the next week, while I did my lectures and classes at the Kelly's Elixir Tower and and, and, and the Alchemist Basement in this building, it, they were talking to me all the time. Like, I didn't dialogue with anyone else other than these angels that entire time. And there was even a time when my lecture was interrupted by these two guys on a computer. And I went online and I said to all the adepts I know, I said, adepts, I need you to do that thought technique that I've told that we all know so well I need you to get rid of these people they're destroying my live stream because I got moved from the theater to the cafe for due to a double booking which was fine mm-hmm. as far as i concerned but these two cunt muscles fucking s- sat there with their laptops speaking loudly over their intercoms and I was like could you guys please leave they are like no no we're <laughs> it's a public space we're not leaving I said I will give you a hundred dollars to leave and they said no and I went outside. Oh, and wow. Put out the word to the, my fellow adepts. Yeah, I held out a hundred dollars to them. I said, "I'm
0: surprised they didn't leave." Yeah, right. I mean, like it was like I wasn't hundred.
1: It wasn't a <laughs> yeah. hundred check crowns. It was hundred USD.
0: Yeah.
1: It was hundred euro. Oh, euro. That's was even like, more than the that's USD. Like, that's yeah. like ten thousand Canadian dollars. So, <laughs> <laughs> so they wouldn't leave, and so yeah. I, I went outside and I had to belay my lectures, and it threw me off big time because I was streaming to hundreds of people. And I mm-hmm. said, I went outside and I, I spoke, I, w- I went on live stream to all the adepts I know. And I put out the word to all the adepts I know across multiple orders. I said, do what you can do this technique, do this technique. If you know it, get rid mm-hmm. of these people. And I had a smoke, I smoked a clove cigarette and I went back in and they wouldn't leave. And I went back out and I just hung my head because I was like these lectures are being just delayed and I'm at this magical place everything is perfect the time in the universe it's all coming together all at once and everything feels right but these two fuckers won't fuck off and mm-hmm. I got some messages back all of a sudden saying done 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 as you will do what thou wilt. yes do it like you know all these like Kongstone packs lighting extension brother I did it and mm-hmm. I went back in and as I went back in they were packing up their bags because I'd asked them could you leave? They're like, you know, we have two hours of work to do and we want to be here, blah, 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 fuck off, you little mm-hmm. prick. They were <laughs> packing up their bags. And I was like, why are you leaving? And they're just like, we're busy. And they just left. I put mm-hmm. out the call for magic to be done. Magic was done. And these two guys left. They wouldn't they leave for a hundred euro, but right. they left after <laughs> 10 minutes later after I put out the call. And I had never done anything like that before. It is hilarious. So God bless everyone. God bless you all. Thank you for, thanks for, magicians got to have our own backs, right? Because we're,
0: mm. we're warriors. That's awesome, man. Where, where is the, because uh, I was in Prague um, about two years ago and I really regret, I didn't go check out the tower you're talking about. Where dude, is, is it? Dude. Is it far outside of the city center or is it? No, it's, it's
1: right there. You cross You cross the bridge and it's right there in the old district next to the cathedral. And it's oh, right wow. there. And so like, here's the thing my Mm -hmm. personal experience of uh, like chris bennett's research in libra 420 aside Mm -hmm. um and my own experiences with psilocybin and enochian spirits and and all that magic aside are you there yes yes all All of that aside during the tour Mm -hmm. they showed us a garden they had way up in this tower way up in the tower and it's a very cheesy tour with cheesy books that have no writing in the pages just for looks but they did reconstruct <laughs> it in the best way they could with the academics at Prague university who actually okay. know their shit. And, and the pamphlets they hand out there are better research than even Jason Lou's empire of angels is right. Like these are good mm. research things. Mm. And I saw this garden in the top floor of the tower and the garden was this earthen section in the corner of the top floor of the tower. And I said, why is there a little garden there? And the, and the tour guide said, Oh yes. Cause they're trained to know these things. Mm -hmm. And based on the archaeology, in fact. And she Mm -hmm. said, Well, sometimes the servants can't get food up and they need a snack for all their research and trying to make gold. And they needed a snack, so they had grew their own food there for snacks. And I said, But you have like it wasn't just earth on the ground, it was actual growing things in replica form in the Mm -hmm. garden. I said, How come they're all mushrooms? And she said. Well, the research and the archaeology shows that's what they were growing. If it was just mushrooms, I'm like, for snacks?
0: <laughs> oh, said,
1: she said, uh-huh. yes, of course, for snacks. Uh-huh. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> psilocybin not legal in Prague, is it? And she's like, no, of course not. We don't have legal drugs in Prague. Mm-hmm. Not yet. And I'm like, okay, not yet. They were growing mushrooms. They were doing mushrooms. They developed the Enochian system with mushrooms, probably some other drugs like cannabis, opium as well. That's what I think.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised, man. Honestly, when you look back to all these other.
1: You heard the entry from Dee's and Kelly's diary that I
0: just read you.
1: Yeah. Angel is is angry that they forgot
0: their drugs. Yeah, yeah. I mean, what the fuck? uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, uh, I mean, if you look at every tradition too, not just Enochian, but you look at shamanism and you look at, even, even in like uh, Hindu traditions, you have like Soma and pretty much all of these ancient cultures and, you know, paths to the divine often involve entheogens as, you know, well, I can tell you, it's, I'm going to be, it, it, it's, it's very whitewashed, yes, but the more, very, you know, the it's... more, the more research that comes out and I'll have to definitely check out your, um, your friend's book. Uh, what's the name again? It's Lieber Lieber420. Oh, that's perfect. And, and, and <laughs> what a what cover... a perfect name. What a perfect name, like yeah, I mean, once perfect. once you hear the name, you know what's up. It's not like yeah. Yeah, it's and, encapsulated and the, in the name. Man. It's 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 a
1: massive epic history of all the drug use from Freemasonry to Rosicrucianism, like the, mm-hmm. the Rosicrucian Hashishin and the Freemasons and everyone, like it's 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 sure. the drug everything that was redacted, and everyone has raved oh, a review awesome. about it you can buy it online for like 20 or probably 50 bucks with shipping and mm-hmm. it's 777 pages long.
0: Oh, that's epic. And the cover is
1: the cover of the book looks like a version. It's, it's, it looks like it's a, it's intentionally designed to look like Libre, like like the 777 book.
3: Mm, so awesome.
1: it, it looks like 777, 777 but it's Lieber 420 and it's
0: intentionally designed that way. Yeah, I, I yeah, can't been, believe you don't know about it. Um, no, I've heard of it before. I've definitely heard of it before. Um, yeah, I definitely have to check it out. I've never read it though, so I'll definitely have to check it out. It sounds uh, along the lines of my interests as well, so that would be uh, a good one to have in the library. I'm sure.
1: Instagramming you the. Wait, are we on? Are you on Instagram?
0: Yes, yes, yes. Yeah, yeah you can uh, DM me or send me a message there.
1: I'm DMing you the cover of it right now because I oh, want to okay. hear your reaction live. Wait, where so, are you? Let's
0: see if I can pull
1: it up. What's it's a uh, body chariot on there. Dude, I get way too many messages. I'm going to have to get off all these platforms soon because it's just, it's too much. Bogs you down. Yeah. Well, I'm, that's why I'm developing. Let me talk about my own shit. I'm developing and releasing and re- launching hermetic mystery And you can join the cyber guild for free. And there's a lot okay. of original unique content only available to the free members of the cyber guild at hermeticmysteryschool.com. Then there's an initiate level, which is one level above that, and that gets you a weekly Zoom lesson with me. So if you join Mm. the Cyber Guild, you get a bunch of original stuff, as well as video recordings of podcasts, which are otherwise just audio, Mm -hmm. as well as a monthly live lesson. But if you miss the monthly live lesson, you have to pay $7.77 for it.
0: Okay. But if you join (laughs) the 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 initiate
1: Uh level, if you mm. join the, yeah, all my, all my stuff's magical. Like, mm. like my podcast is, is numbered four, four, four. Cause I used to release the episodes every day, every mm. day at 4.44 PM. I mm. stopped that because the Europeans were saying it's too late for them. And I was like, okay, I'm just going to start keep doing it and releasing it whenever I get it done. And mm-hmm. that's that. But the initiate level is, is, is 49 bucks a month. And that might be a lot, but you can get a deal for 4.99 for the year. And if mm-hmm. you can't afford that message me, tell me your financial situation and I will give you a discount that can meet your fucking fiscal needs because yeah, awesome. The awesome. thing is, I just, you know, we, we all want to be able to get just enough. I talked about this on my last podcast earlier with, with, uh, with Mr. Firth of, uh, which is great. You should check that out. And you can watch the video free on my cyber Guild. So go to hermetic mystery You can check that stuff out for free and, uh, you know, I, I would love to, like, it It wouldn't take much to be able to do this full time for the rest of my life and just help people practice the mysteries. You know, it, it's a couple grand a month to be able to survive doing this, right? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, oh, for uh, sure, for sure. You know, if I, if I find a wife who wants to have kids, she can make the rest of the money. So that's good. We're, we're good to go. <laughs> um, There you go. Like, I just want to keep doing uh... magic and music and that's it. And like, and, and, and the world will get back to seeing. like I used to make mm-hmm. you know two to five grand a month doing music. I was very good at it and that'll mm-hmm. happen again. So I'm sure I'll get back to that, but like, really what I want to do is magic. And over sure, the next sure. 10 years I'm developing and launching the initiations for the order of Celtic mysteries. And we're mm-hmm. going to do the initiations sober and mm-hmm. straight, but mm-hmm. we're also going to do the initiations entheogenically successively on everything from, you know, of the five initiations, we're going to do them on cannabis, some cannabis, peyote, psilocybin, DMT, ayahuasca. We're going to go through the whole ring of a roll and integrate that into the initiations because Yates loved peyote, not as much as he loved cannabis. And I love William Butler Yates. And we're going to experiment with doing these initiations soberly and entheogenically. And I think that's a really bold new frontier for us to explore because there's not we have only begun the experimentation of integrating magic with
0: entheogens
3: Mm -hmm.
0: i mean this has been going on a long time but in the modern age for sure right like if you look back at what the illusinian mysteries and you know yeah i mean mean, people are flying people are flying down to um to what is it peru and whatnot to do ayahuasca and these ceremonies and but integrating you're talking about integrating like hermetics with um uh hermetic initiation with psychedelics basically exactly right? yeah that's yeah. awesome well and this in is the case in of the Canada. Celtic
1: Mysteries hermetic uh-huh. Celtic well we were going to do the first initiation this year on Yates's birthday in June at mm-hmm. at Chris Bennett's Soma Institute but COVID is it, it's killed that so you can join the Celtic Mysteries project mm-hmm. at orderofcelticmysteries.com it is free and I haven't been doing much on it recently because COVID has put the kibosh on things and I have to focus on first principles and do do, do the podcast. The podcast blew up so much. Like if I keep going at it the way I am, it's mm-hmm. gonna make me a couple grand a month just on the podcast. So I need to do that because that will give me the freedom to give my time and energy to everyone else for next to nothing. And I, sure. I just wanna be a service. Like in my in my Golden Dawn tradition, mm-hmm. we had this one addition to the tradition that I really love it's not traditional but I love it and in the Mm -hmm. outer order we would always knock on the temple door three times and the person inside the temple before we entered would say what does thou seek and we would Mm -hmm. say I seek to seek to learn that I may serve but and then Mm -hmm. after five six years you get into the inner order and we would knock on the temple door and they'd say what does thou seek and you would say I seek to serve that I may learn Mm, that's and strong. that is the, I think that is the lesson of the adept. Mm-hmm. You serve so that you can learn. But but in the beginning you learn so that you, so can, that you can serve. S- yeah, right? that's excellent. Isn't that fucking yeah. awesome. I love that. Fucking yeah. yeah. awesome. So uh, if Make you sure. want to join a golden dawn order that's good go to ogdu.org. That's okay. a great order. They have Zoom classes, but I also really recommend the Sedalitas rosea Crucis which has a solid outer order of the Golden Dawn. As well as the etheric link pass from Mylander to Steiner to Falcon to the to Tommy westland Check out mm-hmm. them. Or if you join Tabby and Chick Sister's Order of the Golden Dawn, that's a good one. And then there's mm-hmm. the break-off from our order, Golden Dawn, CSS, Golden Dawn Collegium Spirit of They're also great. Um, some people I've I've helped out have joined them and are having a good time. And I interviewed augustin reyes who's who's a great adept and also studying with david Heimsmith now and he was an imperative of temple Pata out of out of chicago and so there's a lot of good orders and, and and i'm not even mentioning half of them but i can't i'm only mentioning the ones whose leadership i know and think mm-hmm. are good dudes you know what i mean
0: oh for sure for sure i sent you
1: the text did you see the message how uh, cool is that
0: cover See, let me pull it up um... Oh, that's dope. Right? Yeah. I love it. I love it. So for like
1: 40 bucks, you can get Libra 420, cannabis, magical herbs, and the occult. And it's a history of all the drugs put back into spirituality like they should have been in the first place. Because what bullshit was it to say like Moses and the Israelites were wandering around the desert and God just ejaculated divine revelation in their brain. No, they were burning massive amounts of cannabis and acacia leaves rich in DMT Mm -hmm. on fires, putting their head in it in the the tent of meeting where the priest would pronounce the true name of God with his face full of cannabis and DMT smoke. And that's Mm -hmm. how the Israelites knew that the priests were talking Mm -hmm. with God was because they were high as fuck. And to me, this, this is anathema to everything I was growing up as a young sober magician in the golden dawn and in maharishi and all of these things but let me tell you like i'm all for sober magic like sober magic is the way to go learn it all sure. spent 5 10 years doing sober magic but if you want to incorporate psychedelics and entheogens or cannabis into your magic yeah it's part of the tradition the 10 years i spent thinking it was wasn't and would destroy your psychic senses i was wrong oh for sure for sure however Mm -hmm. magic's very hard to do under the influence so if you think you're going to develop into a strong magus doing psychedelics or being drunk or stoned no fuck no meditation one doing meditation one under the influence is fucking impossible but if you have mastered meditation one for 10 to 20 years and then you use it under the influence
0: holy shit oh yeah exactly totally agree Totally agree. Well, this has been epic, right? This has been yeah, this is, three hours. This has been, this has been a great one. Uh, so can you mention what's the name of your podcast? And how can people well, find it? Well, if you
1: want to get liber 420 by Chris Bennett, go to liber 420com My okay. podcast is called MagicWithoutFears.com. Okay, and <laughs> you can find it on Spotify, <laughs> iTunes, all the podcasts, everywhere podcasts are heard. You're going to have to hear some fucked up um, ads. But please mm-hmm. listen to them because... Um, if you listen to the shitty ads that are auto inserted to my podcast enough, not only do you help buy me breakfast, but mm-hmm. you, uh, you, fac- you facilitate the opportunity that eventually some cool yoga companies or new age companies or cannabis companies will give me paid ads to read so I can actually make some real money. And trust me, I put everything I have back into the occult scene. I want to run amazing conferences. We had to cancel the Celtic Mysteries thing for this year at Soma Institute that Chris Bennett runs in BC. And as a result, we're doing the first Celtic Mysteries initiation at John D. and Edward Kelly's Tower in Prague, limited people, but more people than could fit at Soma Institute. So you can go to orderofcelticmysteries.com and you can go through that first Celtic initiation of Yeats's Order of Celtic Mysteries, which is Druidry mixed with Golden Dawn Inner Order teachings in Prague. Mm. 2022 in june in the alchemist basement which will be a fusion of Nokian conference plus the celtic mysteries and the years after that for the next four initiations we want to do ideally at the hill of tara which is public space which we could use in ireland or mm-hmm. ideally at yates's magic tower at tour balali in
0: uh, in in southwest ireland That sounds great. And then what was the other, uh, you mentioned you do the monthly program. What was the website for that? Hermeticmysteryschool.com. You can join the cyber
1: guild for free and I do a monthly lesson for the Mm -hmm. cyber guild, but really you should join the initiate level, $50 a month or, or 500 bucks for the year. And if you need a discount, let me know, tell me your financial situation. I'll give you a discount and that way you get weekly Zoom classes where I go through the entire Golden Dawn corpus of material mixed mm-hmm. with everything I've learned from druidry to chaos magic, you name it, Enochian, just like like when, when you're actually teaching magic one-on-one or one on Zoom, mm-hmm. like you're just sharing what's gonna work. And and I'm also sharing all my diary entries over the next two years, three years that go through all my Golden Dawn training from 1995 to 2002 and mm. I'm, tr- I'm sharing all my diary entries every single page with video commentary mm-hmm. and what i think what i thought then and what i think now and uh, it's going to be a beautiful future man like your mm-hmm. focus determines your reality right be careful
0: how you interpret the world because it really is like that oh for sure i think this is a good chance because uh you know, a lot of people are getting into uh, the Western esoteric tradition and the golden dawn. There's like definitely a resurgence of the current these days. And, you know, online right. there's a lot of people for sure. And there's a lot of people, you know, it's more synergistic these days, people going on other people's podcasts and working together and putting well, the podcasting community and, is fucking amazing. And like, yeah. we get to, like mm-hmm. I
1: talked to you today, I talked to, to Tyler uh, Firth, like I'm I'm talking to all these amazing mag- magicians every day, musicians and magicians and <laughs> both. Af- yeah. Like after this conversation, you know, all mm-hmm. I really want to do is get on the next flight to Korea, do some oh, crazy twenty-four yeah. hour psychedelic rituals with you, and then go and play jam. a gig <laughs> and jam. <laughs> yeah. Like, dude, yeah. dude, I have some stuff to show you musically. I want to show um, you some 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 ideas, and I want to hear your song ideas because there's nothing oh, like. Sure. There's nothing like playing backup on another guy's songs and just hitting oh, those yeah. sweet notes at the sweet time and the sweet
0: moment. And Oh, it's killer. It's killer for sure. Yeah. Hopefully. So uh, yeah. Hopefully the restrictions, I mean, I'm hopeful for like summer, fall, things start opening up so we'll see well things
1: will open up once we change our dna with the vaccine and the aliens
0: show themselves. <laughs> right exactly Exactly. Yeah. and once we get the chip in our arm we'll uh we'll be good to go you know
1: i'm a multi-dimensional so. q shaman man i exist in all levels that's why i can tell you the truth about everything <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> did you see that guy who stormed the Capitol? that's what he said on some video interview god oh is it i didn't see oh, that oh god it's a that. dude you that got to check gorgeous. out tim dylan tim dylan i love Dillon. oh yeah right i'm a huge fucking yeah. gene oh yeah i pay for his uh, podcast as of this month i like and I'm oh my god killer. if you if, if you're not paying if you're not paying the seven bucks a month for his podcast, for the crazy shit, like I'm not paying the 27 bucks for his Rothschild shit. Cause I, I can't, I can only handle so much
2: of the, cons-
0: <laughs> of the conspiracy stuff. Oh, yeah. he's, he's deep in the game with, uh, he, he's been on with like Alex Jones and stuff. Oh, like that, well, well, Alex Jones actually. So I, I never knew who Alex
1: Jones was up until this year, uh-huh. or last year, but therefore, pardon me. hmm Therefore, like, so my introduction to him was as someone who was banned. Mm. And so I've most of what I've seen of him is him under intense scrutiny by these other people like Tim Pool or, or Joe Rogan, who are like right. fact checking him in real time. And like, oh, right. so like when you hear some guy who you, you know, here's the, the weird thing, right? If the mainstream world tells us that someone's a fucking nut job and then mm. we listen to 10 hours of that, per- that nut job speaking while being fact-checked in real time and everything they say is true it's like you're like wait a minute how are they a nutshell? job yeah well yeah exactly like exactly like Mm -hmm. so you know the real bottom line is i i promote critical thinking and skepticism i'm a skeptic about i'm such a magical skeptic like skeptic about
2: everything dude Mm
1: -hmm. i went through magic for, for over 10 years before i tried psychedelics And I thought Mm. everything that everyone told me about psychedelics was bullshit. I was like, Mm. oh, you smoke pot. That means you can't be clairvoyant. You smoke pot. That means you don't can't do real magic. And then as a master, I entered into that realm and was like, oh, I was wrong.
3: Mm -hmm.
1: Exactly. However, there is a challenge that comes with it. And uh, next time when I interview you, I want to hear about Mm -hmm. your journey. And I want to talk about motherfucking tools.
0: Oh yeah, let's do that for sure. Yeah, definitely. We'll, uh, we'll uh, end it here. This has been a really good uh, podcast. Got to go over a lot of different topics, Golden Dawn and the Steiner stuff I was really interested in. Uh, Very interesting. I got to hear the whole Waldorf education since me and my sister both couldn't make, couldn't make it in, although we were on the wait list, right? I got to hear a nice summary
1: of it. Like I've actually been hired as a Waldorf school teacher twice. Once mm-hmm. it was in Ireland, but on the mm-hmm. way there, I stopped by this island and I joined a Celtic band. So I never made it to the job teaching German at Walder school. And then <laughs> another time I got hired as a Walder school teacher, but then I got offered another job for real money. And so I didn't mm-hmm. take it, but I would love to teach Walder school one day in my life. But ideally mm. I would rather just do uh, psychedelic druid, druid chaos, magic, shamanism, and Enochian for the rest of my life with hardcore awesome human beings like you and then go, oh, yeah. go in the evening and playing gigs in Eastern Europe. That would, that sounds like a better life to me than <laughs> So like, sure, let's, let's sure. set our will in, in, in line and, and have the force of the universe
0: behind us. That sounds like a plan brother. All right. As so uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. All right. Until, uh, until next time, until the next episode, perhaps next own the podcast.
1: light in extension, brother.